Social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I, of course, am John Wayne. With me is Christopher Triana. Chris, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> what's up? I was just waiting for the song to be to be done there. What's up, man? That was part of the song. Ooh, the chorus is coming. <clears throat> nothing, man. Nothing is up. It's uh, you know, you know me. I'm here. I'm down. I'm down to clown. I'm excited. Yeah. What you excited uh, about? I got something in the mail today for some awesome people. Like just now, before the show, breaking breaking news uh, oh. from uh, Anna and Mike Rankin sent me this uh, bubbler that is all tentacled out like a Cthulhu thing, and I'm gonna smoke it for the first time on the podcast, for the first time in real life. This is for you guys, Chris. This is for you. This is for Bear. This is for the children. For the for the children. This one's for the children. Uh, but we'll get to that later. So yes, he's uh, hitting hitting his new bong. It's very cool. Uh, you did it. Very nice. Good job. You did. You did it. Very nice. <laughs> I wasn't you. sure how to narrate that, so <laughs> I just kind of let it happen as it went. Uh, so uh, he's inhaling, folks. Looks like he's inhaling. Uh, <laughs> like a good deep one. Uh, he's taking green. a nice long inhale. <laughs> yep. Just like, yeah, you should have done that. Yeah. But I no, that's awesome. Dude. So I got a new pipe, another new pipe to smoke out of, uh, and I'm going to smoke out of this one for the rest of the show. Very cool. Well, I've got uh, something new that I've got on my head here. I've got a brand new uh, hat from Godless, uh, yes. from Drew Stepik. He sent me uh, some some Godless gear. Uh, of course, you can get Night Stalkers and some other books on Godless. It's a great home for uh, indie horror 
and so I got this spiffy hat with a pentagram on it, you know. Mm-hmm. Very uh, cool. It's red. If you're not watching the video, just it's red on the front. Trucker style hat, right? It's mesh mm-hmm. on the back, huh? Snapback, mm-hmm. black bill, and the logo is pretty cool. Black, like pentagram in white with the G backwards and shit. It's pretty rad. Yeah, I'll put up to just, the just paint them, just paint a picture for the people. We could yeah. see it. Well, you know, I'm, no, I'm, I'm showing it closer. You're the one giving a play-by-play on it. I'm showing it closer. Thanks, uh, so thanks, Drew, for that. Um, and I've got some other uh, swag that I'm going to be giving out with some book giveaways uh, coming up. Uh, so be looking for those. Follow me on Twitter, uh, Coyote, with a K, Coyote Chris. Uh, and you can enter to win this cool hat. Nice. Okay. Hey, uh, speaking of Night Stalkers... Um, the playlist that we spoke of last week is up and ready. Yes, I got yes. I got my copy in the mail and uh, I put the playlist together. I was actually jamming it today uh, at the gym when you were when we were texting earlier this morning. Oh, cool. you know, in our morning text in the bath usually, but I was there, you know, <laughs> like the candles text each other. How's it going, baby? Yeah. You know, you uh, box, yeah, but I was jamming got your it. box of wine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. It's first thing in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's okay. available too. So everyone that's like getting their copies from uh, Godless or, or wherever you, you're getting it from, you can uh, go to the playlist, which you've, you've posted links to. I've posted links to. Mm-hmm. I'll post a link on the ChrisandJohnWayne.com uh, as well after this or for this when this episode goes up. So, but check it out because it's pretty fucking ripping uh, soundtrack yeah. uh, to 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 the book. And then and here's a here's a trick. When you go to the strip club, make sure you wrap a bigger than a 10 around your ones because this was an off-mic discussion, but now I'm just yes. thinking about how much I really fucked up. So uh, <laughs> anyway. I'm just, I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying I to know. help. I know. You are. You are. You are. It's a good tip. Uh, yeah. oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, that and that playlist is rad. It's like 1100 songs or no it's like 41 <laughs> two songs i don't know but then I don't it's like think it's throw, that long. <laughs> you, you threw some curveballs in there it's not all death metal like you get like a little bit of a spicy here and there i don't want to ruin it but yeah uh it's no, fun it's not, so it's not 40 songs it's not that many uh but no like like we've mentioned on on the show uh before you know every chapter in the book is named after a death metal song uh and so we you know kind of put all that together and also threw in some other songs that are um, mentioned in the book and and some of the uh instrumental stuff like synth music and stuff that i was listening to as i wrote the book to give me that kind of you know john carpenter feel and everything because uh, that's the that's the way the book kind of feels it feels like like a you know 80s horror movie or something only much gorier yeah. so <clears throat> that was but, very but yeah, thanks for thanks for putting that up on Spotify for us. We appreciate it, man. Oh yeah, my pleasure. I guess that's what we should. It's on Spotify. Yeah. Uh, it's a Spotify playlist. <laughs> yeah, I think you could just search for it. You know, just the Night Stalkers. Uh, you know, stock. It's Stalkers, by the way, not Stalkers. So it's S O C K. Stalkers. So yeah, check it out. But people have been liking the book so far. People have been responding well to it, so I'm happy about that. That's cool, man. Hey, uh, I did some uh, events this weekend. Yeah, that, uh, we're pretty tell me, cool. Tell me what they were all about. Where were you? Where in the world is John Wayne? We should have a little like thing for that, like because you said so before you tell us like about your latest adventure. Where in the world is John Wayne? All right, I'll put that together as well. It is a nod to Carmen San Diego for anybody out there who doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, easy, easy to do. Uh, but 
Carmen where San Diego, I was. still I was missing. <clears throat> still missing. I know. She's still out there. She's that still Amber robbing. Alert is decades old. Okay, go ahead. That's, Sorry. All right. No, that's okay. <laughs> it, it, that's going to play for all of our uh, San Diego heads out there. They'll get, uh, you know, <laughs> they'll get those jokes. <laughs> <Don't worry>. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, actually, so I had, I had two different events this week it, weekend in Houston. The uh, first one was the Houston Horror Film Festival uh, Horror Pop-Up Market 3, which I've been to all three of them, and uh, so I felt very good about that. But this one was outside at this place called Fortress Beer Works, which is like north of Houston. And I'd never been there before, but it's about 30 minutes like north of me, you know. So I, I, I shoot up there in the morning and it's fucking nice. Like it's kind of out in the middle of like, you're like, okay, where are we going here for a second? But then you're like, it opens up into this really like cool ass brewery. Huge outside area, lot, you know, fucking field to park in. And everyone sets out outside, you know, we're out outside and I have a, I had to bring one of those pop up things, you know, tents that go over your fucking shit. And as the first time I'd ever even like opened this one that we got for our wedding like two years ago. So I'm like, oh, fuck. And Nick is like meeting me up there. Nick P. Uh, we're like 750 in. <clears throat> so he's not there yet. So I'm by myself and managed to get it up. Somebody came and helped me and took pity on me. Uh, but it was an awesome event. It was like, fucking packed out with people like um you know all the vendors were kind of outside i had like a pretty cool spot backed up against the patio so people like kind of had to walk between me and some other people to get to the patio to the beer so that was cool um and it was all day it was or you know it was like seven hours or something it was a lot of fun uh great beer great event really well run um of course it's you know it was masked masked up event but it's Texas, so it's insane, you know, because whatever. I don't know what the hell's going on here. But what are you saying? That like a lot of people weren't wearing them. Well, they've lifted. They've lifted the mandate. Yeah. So especially yeah. if you're outside, people are like, but but this was supposed to be an event, and for the most part, everyone was wearing masks. Mm. Uh, I don't think uh, too many people were walking around maskless. But mm. I don't know. It was safe. I was saying like it's it was run well. And uh, people were keeping shit together. Like the celebrities were all wearing their masks and stuff. It was awesome. Um, Leanna Quigley was there. Uh, she said to say hi to me. Okay. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that one went well. All my stuff got dusty. Very dusty, like your vagina. Like uh, really? Well, yeah. Just, just because it was outside. Just dirty in Texas, or yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> you've seen the the planes, well, it's, it the is, winds it is. whip across. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so yeah. No, it, you it, know, it, I I was, it, it, I was, you know, thinking of you uh, the other day as I usually am, and because uh, I was I was listening to Wasp, uh, the great band Wasp, uh, the hair metal band, and, and the song uh, Blind in Texas came on, and I was like, my man John Wayne, he's probably blind in Texas right now. Uh, like like snowblind or like no they're just talking about getting shit face drunk oh oh yeah that's what yeah. the song's well, about good. yeah that's what the song's probably about probably so dude yeah, yeah. you're probably and, right like, and he just does this they're like blind in texas and then like the middle of the song he does like this thing where he's clearly just like name dropping you know he's like out at corpus christi yeah. <laughs> houston you're like it's just like clearly just dropping he said us. That's yeah, us. exactly yeah it's like you know he, he did it just for that but uh, uh, yeah. but no, I've been listening to White, uh, not White Snake, uh, Wasp. I've been listening to Wasp a lot recently. Uh, yes, uh, they're one of those like you know I love '80s hair metal very much. And uh, when uh, my buddy Greg 
came up to visit. Shouts out, Greg. Uh, you know, Shouts he also, out, Greg. He also is a big hair metal guy. And we were li- listening to different hair metal, playing our different mixes. And he put on one and he had like a couple of songs on it that I had forgotten about. Songs I hadn't heard in a long time. One of them was uh, Crocus and, and then one of them was Wasp. And I was like, oh, shit, Wasp. And we got to talking about them. And he's, he's like, yeah, those are one of those. That's one of those bands that like you just forget about. But then you go back and revisit and they're fucking amazing. And they really are. I've been like hooked on listening to Wasp for a couple of days now. Yeah. That is great. I, as I also told you earlier the week, I, I started reading another music uh, history book. This is the history of the 80s uh, hair metal, glam rock, whatever it is. Um, it's fucking huge. It's fucking yeah. huge, dude. Dude, you should see it's fucking huge. Yeah. Uh, it's a big ass book, but I started reading it. And so, you know. We'll we'll definitely get to that, folks. Definitely get to hair metal. Uh, this is, yeah, I I listen to that far more than I even you know listen to death metal. I love hair metal, so I know I know so you that, do, baby. That's that's my so, stuff. We'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that at another. Yeah, time. it's another time. But I'm yeah. reading that book. It's pretty good so far. So I'm saying, you right. know, it's another another one of those good history of music books that I like to read. So yeah. very cool. cool. But <clears throat> but then also Sunday, I went to another event, a separate market. That was at a brewery close to my house called Brash Brewing. And uh, it was a punk rock garage sale is what it's called. It's put on by this uh, a gallery called Insomnia uh, here in Houston. Uh, shouts out Chris, he runs it. And so every month he puts this out. I guess, I guess it's the third Sunday of every month, but this month it was different. I don't know what the fuck it was. It was outside again, but I set up next to my buddies that like run at this like uh, metal fabrication shop that's connected to the brewery or like in the same thing. So it's... The parking lot's out. They set their tables up, so I just set up with them. We had to put up the tents, like, all across because it started just pouring ass rain uh, right before everything started after we got set up and shit. But uh, then it was great, dude. A lot of people came out to that as well. I drank a lot of beer uh, and hung out with the merch studio guy. Shouts out to Adam and Eddie and Gabe and Bob and, uh, and the rest. And play, I play playing fucking songs and just uh, having a having a good old time. And I sold a bunch of books, and uh, it's great. It gets my it gets me all warmed up for uh, next weekend uh, when I leave this Wednesday to go to Nashville for the Full Moon Tattoo and Horror Expo. Oh right, right. And you're going with Wes, right? I'm not going with Wes. Okay, Wes mm-hmm. goes with me. All right. <laughs> That's not the way he tells it, but okay. Okay, well, <laughs> he can make up any kind of uh, narrative, however he has to, you know, lay it down. Of course, yep. we're speaking of the great Splatterpunk Award winner, Splatterpunk Award nominee, uh, possible future winner, Wes- Wesley Westland Southard. Uh, I believe that's his first and he, middle name. No, he is an award winner. He did win. He won I know. Year. I know, but he's a. I said award winner and award nominated. Slash oh, possibly future winner. Okay. Uh, for that, I'm sorry yeah, if I probably. Yeah, yeah, I got a little confusing there. Yeah, yeah I know. I mean, <laughs> I'm very mysterious, dude. Mm. But anyway, yes, I will be sharing a table with Wes there, uh, and then I'll go to Chicago after that and share a table with myself. Wow, he's yeah. all over the place, folks. You need to come up with like a tour shirt, you know. I do have to say that uh, Christy Whiskey was at uh, the the brewery uh event on saturday 
uh, as you know, she calls in. She's going to be our intern. She actually helped keep a lot of the dust off of my table. She would, like, wipe it and shit. Oh, so, so she kind of is being your intern. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was awesome. But yeah. uh, she she says hello. She You know, she calls the line. She loves the show. And, you know, she's Hi, doing Christy. all the segments and shit. Nick shows up, dude. Like, these people <laughs> that were, like, these guys are, like, I was, like, what's up, guys? Hey, oh, like, uh, this is Nick P. And they're, like, oh, dude where's the voodoo password man like it was fucking awesome nick's like god damn it dude and, and of course christy was asking him for his password and yeah, shit yeah. and then uh somebody somebody on instagram like uh like alicia stamps was like wait voodoo password when she saw him in the background it was fucking great so as always you can get that voodoo password just email me <laughs> and uh uh but that was a lot of fun christy says hi and uh you know, hi Christy, all that good stuff. So, well, good. I'm glad you had a, a fun, eventful weekend. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't really have any cool things. You know me, just the old hermit, hermit in the woods, like two steps away from being a Unabomber. Like that's how hermity I am. So, yeah, and we're monitoring those steps, people. So, it's just... <laughs> trust me, when we get one and a half in i'll sound the alert and then we'll yes. all be on and i'll but i'll have disappeared by then because i'll be i'll be in the house with you living in the walls uh <laughs> helping you to you know conspire feeding, feeding off the the breast milk of a, a friendly ra- uh, possum rat, or rat the rat milk. milk and shit in the walls yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm thinking like a possum you know like something something to really sustain you yeah we get a nice I possum s- in here i like I mean, possums a lot actually they're really great night yeah, when you go to bed, I like I slide into the wall that's in your room and sleep there just so you, you know, because you didn't want me to sleep in your bed with you, but I'll sleep in the wall in oh, your room okay. with okay. you. Yeah, you're not, is that cool? in, you're not sleeping in the bed with me and my possum. No, but what my, about in the wall possum. in the same bedroom? No, I know. Inside of the wall like this. Yes. Do what you want. Just, you know, just don't make a lot of noise. Okay. You know, don't disturb me and my, my pet possum. Possums are cool. You know that they eat ticks. Uh, so that's helpful. Uh, they 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 kind of take About care of like they, they they take kind of take care of the land for you you know mm-hmm. uh, they're really great I really like them they don't they're not rabbit they can't catch rabies so you don't have to worry about that so people people you need to be cooler to possums they're awesome they don't attack your animals or your pets or anything like that you know no but dogs love to go after them does bear go after a possum if she sees one bear will go uh, after just about anything she sees, but then she's just curious when she gets to them, you know? Oh. Uh, and she usually won't get to them because they run off scared. But, like, no, the bear acts tough, and but, you know, like, my property. But then she's like, oh, hey, when she gets up to whatever it is, you know? So I had one dog that killed a possum in the backyard one time that caught, caught him slipping, I guess. And uh, he was very proud of that. And then Cer- Cerberus just killed a squirrel. I don't know how he caught it, but he caught one out there. Um so yeah, bear, bear, just, bear hasn't killed anything. She's just not that type of dog, really. Yeah, I got killers here, dude. She'll chase them though. Money. It's like she, I have a, a you know flock of turkeys that come around seasonally, and she, she'll chase after the whole damn flock, you know, and they'll just the whole ass. And, and the, but then, they, like once they get to a certain point, she just stops. Like once they're off our property, she's okay. Yeah. She's like, all right, just stay off my shitting ground. This is my toilet. Don't want yeah. you. Yeah. You know? So, I don't speaking of, have you heard that tribute band, uh, Flock of Turkeys to Flock of Seagulls? No. <laughs> that, yeah, it's uh, it's great. You should check them out. Um, I thought that's why you brought it up. But 
It's uh, all of their songs, but they're Thanksgiving yeah. themed. Yeah, it's just it's just uh, I ran, it a... but it's like I I it's like I ran from the gravy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, I wow, I'm glad you pulled the you were like deep dove on the lyrics. I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate that call out, dude. Well, I mean, our, our, our San Diego heads are gonna love that song, as well. Does anyone know a song by Flock of Seagulls that isn't I ran? I mean. What other songs? None. I don't know. They, is that they, their song? They didn't have it. Yes, that is. That's their. That's that was their hit. They were like a one-hit wonder. You know, it's like Corey Hart. Like unless it's sunglasses at night, you're not going to know what if it, that it's what song. You know, you're not going to know any of his songs. But uh, yeah. So anyway. Uh, so okay, that's that's all the muck that's fit to rake. Are we ready to get into our show? I think so. All the muck that's fit to rake. Yeah. <clears throat> I said rake. Um, yeah, we're ready, dude. Um, yeah, let's do it. Well, then that brings us to our first topic, which, of course, is Book of the Week. Book. Book. Book of the Week. Book of the Week. So this is me uh, this week. Uh, this is this is all you, baby. This is a uh, uh, Gil. Hmm? This is a book I, I talked about reading a couple weeks ago, uh, and uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and uh, this is one of my favorite authors. This week is The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson, who uh, is very awesome. I appreciate his work very much. Met him at Bizarro Con, and he's been very cool to me. Um, this book... <clears throat> this book is fucking rad. Uh, I really read through this very quickly. Um, I guess let me read the synopsis before i describe it uh stranger things meets world war z and jeremy robert johnson's the loop a conspiracy thriller set in a sleepy tourist town in the pacific northwest that also happens to be home to a biotech firm when turner falls is ravaged by an inexplicable outbreak that causes the infected to become overwhelmed or overcome by fits of rage a group of local misfits struggles to survive the night and expose the corporate corruption destroyed their home so that's a pretty good synopsis, but it's so much more intense than that. Right. Like, it's fucking intense. Like, they locked down this whole fucking town because this biotech weapon has gotten out of control that was, you know, just unchecked and fucking yeah. gets in all these people. And like it says, they go into fits of rage. Because first I was like, well, what is this, like a zombie thing or something? But it's not at all. Uh, it's like some... It's Man, the way it unfolds is really fucking interesting and very fucking inventive. And of course, I love Jeremy's uh, writing style. So it keeps you engaged. It's really n not what you think it's going to be. He's very good at, you know, kind of unveiling it as you go. Uh, compelling. But it has to do with uh, just hits of dopamine and, and uh, entities from another demand. I mean, it's fucking nuts, dude. It's great. Yeah. So definitely, definitely, if you haven't read anything by Jeremy Robert Johnson, I highly suggest uh anything angel dust apocalypse one of my favorites but the loop this is his latest book and it's it's a major it's a major award no it's a major uh awesome major release and i recommend it a lot jeremy robert johnson that's a great that's a great blurb i recommend it a lot john wayne Caminale. oh yeah and i'll put it right under this one where uh a dazzling writer chuck palinick i like it a lot John Wayne. <laughs> Who the fuck? 
no, it's awesome. I it's I I don't know. I said what I thought about it. That was right. No, 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 no. You, you, you no, it's fine. It's very eloquent. Except that last part was kind of funny. I read it a lot. <laughs> well, now I think we should submit that for a blurb for the paperback. Maybe you think? Yeah, yeah. When that one comes out. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put it down. Do it. I like it a lot. <laughs> I like screen, it. Screen cast. a lot. Yeah, yeah. With the little thumbs up. Yeah. <clears throat> put a thing on. So yeah. So that's my book of the week, dude. All righty. Check it out, folks. Check it out. The loop, loop. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I guess that brings us to our next uh, jolly old segment, uh, and of course, that segment is ridiculous reads. <laughs> Ridiculous reads. Yes. Coming at you. Coming at you with ridiculous reads. And this is uh, you, dude. And I'm expecting a gem of a gemmer, uh, if you know what I mean. It's pretty cool. I actually, I have. There's one that I that I was really excited to do, but it's a novelization, and I want to watch the movie again because it's been a long time since I saw the movie. So I want to watch the movie again before I do the. Uh, the book for ridiculous reads so that'll probably be a few episodes uh later um but so i'm not doing that one uh but i am doing one that's near and dear to my heart uh i have i've had this book in my possession since i was a kid um this same copy and everything and i just uh i thought it'd be fun to go with this uh and show that um you know, because like, you know, we had the, 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 on the last show we were talking, you and me and, and Ryan, and I, I came off as this like, comic books are dumb, like funny duddy, or comic book movies are dumb, funny duddy thing. Uh, Dead? A little bit, because, you know, like, you know, I'm not, I, I don't like the new DC movies. I, I gave up watching the Marvel and all that stuff. I, I just stopped watching. I was just yeah. like, it's just, you know, after well, a while. I haven't, I haven't kept up with them. Yeah, I mean, but I didn't right, think you came right. off as a, a funny duddy about it or whatever. Well, all right. Well, I hate myself, so maybe that's what it was. But hey, man. Hey. Anyway, I hate, I hate you too. I, I as, you right. as you should. As you should. But anyway, uh, I was thought I'd show that I am not a, a, a anti comic book person at all, as you can no. tell from these the Batman uh, standee behind me and mm-hmm. Batman the novelization oh, of the movie. Oh yes. Now that is a that is nice. Da, da, da. Yeah, this is the that is, is a the, gem. This is the 1989 Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Tim Burton Batman movie that I'm talking about. And yes, I I bought this or someone bought it for me. I'm sure I was 12, but I got this when I was 12, and I still have it. Um, and this uh, this is fun. But here's the thing about this this book, and it's it's kind of a complicated thing, even with the movie, is uh, this this book is almost like a carbon copy of the movie, like down to like the last word. Like it's like no shit. Yeah, it's like identical to the movie. Um, and this was you know kind of like we were saying with um, uh, 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 Dream Child. Uh, last week yeah, where we were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. how there was like so many different writers that were attached and then pulled and changed mm-hmm. um well you know the, the batman script went through a ton of different writers and changes and possible directors and everything before it you know, became uh the movie that we all know and love so this is a novelization by craig shaw gardner based on the story by sam ham and the screenplay by sam ham and warren scarron 
and the character created by Bob Kane. So, <laughs> you, can, you know, you see now, already. Now, <laughs> now, when you say Sam Ham, is that Samuel Hamuel? Is that who that's short for? No, it's it's Sam Ham. I don't, I don't know. That's that name is funny. Name. Sam Ham. It's like is that real? Uh, I mean, same Sam Ham. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, and so it's yeah, it's 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 a it's all over the place. Sam Ham also did uh, uh, the screenplay for uh, the second one, I believe, too. Or, or no, no, I'm sorry, no, no, no. He did. He initially did, but then Daniel Waters did Batman Returns. Um, Sam Ham was attached to this one, but he had he had picked it up after Warren Scarin, I think this was the thing. But no, Daniel Waters definitely did uh, Batman Returns, and that's one of the reasons it's so good and so gar- dark, is Waters is the guy who gave us Heathers and Demolition Man and a lot of really crazy creative things. Um, anyway, uh, so I need to correct myself there. But anyway, um, so I'm going to be reading a scene from this, uh, which is, not to me, one of the greatest superhero films ever uh and in this scene uh we have uh the joker uh and i i'm not gonna read a synopsis of the book i'm i'm assuming everyone knows who the fucking joker is if you don't like i don't you know i don't know where you've what planet you've been living on see but, see, uh, see episode See episode two, like go back to our yeah. like second episode where we thoroughly covered batman yeah. was it the second episode i think right yeah, uh, or the was, first. No, I think it was the third one. Third, one I, of the first five yeah, episodes Batman, has a thorough, thorough Batman explanation. Batman versus stories. Yeah. Pa- pause this one. Go back and listen to it if you don't know. Then, then you'll know. So. I think I think you could just also just Google the Joker, you know. But anyway, <laughs> I think everyone knows who the Joker is. Is my point. That's why I'm not giving a big synopsis. Anyway, in this scene. Vicky Vale, the uh, news reporter, played uh, sexily by Kim Basinger uh, in uh, in the film. He said uh, sexily. <laughs> he said sexily. Uh, uh, he uh, she thinks that she's meeting uh, someone at uh, at this art museum uh, slash restaurant. It's a weird place. Um, but then uh, what happens is uh, is uh, the Joker shows up with his bad guys. So anyway. I'm just going to jump right in. <clears throat> you know, Joker's walking in here. Music's playing. Bada boom, ba 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 ba. The Joker pressed a button. The disco beat was replaced by a thousand and one strings. He pulled a silver lighter from inside his purple double-breasted coat. He flicked it on, and a foot-long flame burst forth. He lit the candles. It was all like some sort of tremendous parody of romance. You're beautiful, the Joker remarked smoothly. Vicky stared across the table. What did? What do you say to a madman? Uh, thank you, was what she finally decided on. In an old-fashioned sort of way, the Joker continued. I'm sure we can make you more today. He moved his chair a little closer. Vicky resisted the urge to move hers away. There must be some way out of this. She would have to humor him, though, until she found it. The Joker looked down at a medium-sized black case leaning against Vicky's chair. This is your portfolio? he cried in delight. Uh, yes, Vicky replied, taken aback by his enthusiasm. I'm meeting a friend who I wanted to see my work. The Joker snatched the portfolio and, in a single, fluid move, unzipped it and spread it out under the table. 
There were fashion photos on top. Crap, he announced. He turned the plastic pages to the magazine covers and celebrity shots. Crap, he repeated. He turned the pages more quickly, past photos of heads of state, world events, scenic vistas. Crap, 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 he reiterated. The Joker stopped. Ah, now here's good work. Vicky saw that he had gotten to the photos from Corto Maltese. The skulls, the Joker gushed admiringly. The bodies, you give it all such a glow. He grinned up at Vicky. I don't know if it's art, but I like it. Vicky didn't know what to say, so she didn't say anything. Let me tell you what I've got in mind, sweetie, the Joker began in a voice like velvet. Just like mine was, clearly. I was in the bathtub one day when I realized why I was destined for greatness. You know how concerned most people are about appearances? This is pretty, that is not. He shook his head. Well, that's all over for me. In crime, the passions ripen fully. His voice started to rise, as if here, at last, was something he really believed in. Now I do what others only dream of. I do art until somebody dies. Classic line from the movie. Good stuff. He raised both his hands in a gesture of triumph. See? I'm the world's first fully functioning homicidal artist. Vicky had had enough of this madman. She glared at him. What do you want? She demanded. I want my face on the one dollar bill, he exclaimed, the fervor still there. Vicky leaned back in her chair. Good goal. I take it you're joking? The Joker howled with sudden fury. He pointed at his face. Do I look like I'm joking? And you see, that's funny. For those of you who don't know, the Joker has like a permanent smile that's like on his face. So that's that's really funny. Now, didn't we just say if you you should know? <laughs> just in case someone doesn't know. Okay. I'm just saying, in case someone doesn't know. All right. Basically, the Joker smiled at her again, the sudden anger suddenly over. Look, he said, the velvet tones re reasserting themselves. We mustn't mistake ourselves for regular people. We're artists. For instance, let me challenge you with a little piece I did. He glanced at one of his men. Bob, will you bring in Alicia? The lackey scurried away as the Joker turned back to Vicky. You'll make a pictorial record of my work, he insisted. You'll be with me in the avant-garde. Vicky realized that if she weren't so afraid, she might find the Joker fascinating. He was completely mad, and at the same time, completely sincere. Like me, baby. Ladies, you know, enjoy me while I last. You know, come and get some. Um, now, was that, in it? Was that in improvised right there, or was that part of the script? Uh, well, no, it, said, it says it's about the Joker. He was completely mad, and at the same time, completely sincere. And I just thought, hey, so am I. So I threw in a little advertisement for my Tinder, Coyote Chris... Needs loving, chunky lover fifty three. <laughs> that's a now, and and, and, we and we talked about this and the handle. <laughs> see, that's a really. I think the handle is what's holding you back there. But we can talk more on like after the the show about it. But remember, write it down for now, chunky like sixty nine, whatever he said. <laughs> a woman's voice spoke behind her. Jack, Vicky turned around. The Joker's henchman was. <clears throat> was leading a woman dressed in white, wearing a porcelain doll's mask. 
The woman didn't seem to be very steady on her feet, and her guide had to spend as much time ensuring she kept her balance as urging her forward. You said I could watch you improve the paintings, the newcomer said. Her voice was slow and unsteady, as if slurred from alcohol or drugs, or the marijuanas. <clears throat> I'm not looking at anybody, just saying. No, no smoke in here, Mom. No. The Joker rolled his eyes. Except from this uh -oh. great pipe I just got. <laughs> the Joker rolled his eyes. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. Vicky couldn't help herself. It was... <clears throat> it was the news. Ah. What the hell is this? I'm sorry. Where was I? <laughs> even though she, okay, even though she was afraid of the answer, she asked what was on her mind. Why is she wearing a mask? Well, she's just a sketch, really. The Joker replied humbly. Alicia, come here. Have a seat. Show the lady why you wear the mask. Another henchman pulled up a chair, and Alicia sat. She started to remove the mask, her drugged fingers moving slowly. You see, Miss Vale, the Joker continued, Alicia's been made over in line with my new philosophy. Now, like me, she's a living work of art. Alicia took off the mask. Oh, God. Vicky lurched out of her seat. She couldn't help herself. The chair fell with a crash as she stumbled away. Well, I'm no Picasso, the Joker continued, as modest as before. But do you like it? Vicky threw a second chair in the Joker's path. Like it? She couldn't look back at Alicia, no matter how much she tried. The left side was perfectly normal, a model's face. But the right side, skin melted into muscle, which in turn eroded away to scar tissue and bone. How long had it taken the Joker to destroy Alicia's face so completely? The Joker grinned at her, that crazy, sincere grin. What could she say to him? How could she get it? How could she get out of here? Uh, uh, it's great, she managed. But what can I do for you? The Joker spread his hands wide. A little song, he suggested. His feet tapped across the floor. A little dance, he added cheerfully. He mind placing something large on a round pole. And Batman's head on a lance. And I'll stop there. Because you're doing some kind of interpretive dance, and and I, I don't know what to say about it. Just for that end part. Okay. Like I was from the movie. Like I was trying to redo. I was trying to relive well, the. Thanks. Thanks. You know, <laughs> I I was muted. No one could hear me dance. You know. They so. all saw you dance. <laughs> that's well, a that's little bit. That's a little bit from Batman. Just... I'm quite. I'm quite surprised we haven't busted that one out already. That it lasted this long. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, it's kind of a carbon copy of the movie. Uh, so even even just reading it there, like, you know, I had fun, you know, doing a little reading with it. But it's kind of like it's it's like scene for scene, the movie, the movie whereas a lot yeah. of these other ones are a little more colorful or weirdly written or whatever. You know, this is very, like, straightforward the way the guy did it. But I thought it would be fun just to 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 revisit it and, you know, uh, show it off a little bit. It is very it is very sexy. Um, you know, last week when we were talking to Ryan Harding uh, a little bit about the comic book movies and stuff that we were talking about earlier, uh, and we talked about the Snyder Cut and how I just kept watching Nightmare on Elm Street movies instead of the Snyder Cut. Well, I started watching it the other night. And mm -hmm. I say started because it's four hours and seven minutes long for Is real. It really? Four it's legitimately that? real, yes. Get the fuck out of here. Dude. And it's like, 
it starts going and I'm like, what, you know, you know, I'm just like, whatever, this is superhero shit. I'm just watching it. And I'm like, I have no idea, honestly, what's different. I, I don't even remember the. I, I start watching. I'm like, I realize I don't remember watching this the first time at all because I don't even know what the story is, what's happening. Uh, it was cool, though, uh, what I saw. But then there's these like really elongated musical or not music. They don't bust into songs. I mean, like, uh, like. Like well, these, you almost had me interested. <laughs> these scenes, there's these scenes like that that'll be like a dramatic type of scene with a character, and something will just be playing in the background, like a in the arms of an angel, like not that song, but it might as well be that song behind like every it time. Like be, dude, they slow down and just be like, send me an angel. <laughs> Anytime Batman shows right up, now that's Any, and when they pull Batman the bat signal. Up. Yeah. That plays Seven all over the town, yeah. all over the city. That's that'll be in my Batman movie. Yeah. All over Gotham City, uh, <laughs> Bat Pussy. Um, uh, yeah. So so far, I got one hour and four minutes into it, uh, and I had to take a break. So yeah. that's my assessment so far. I hope there's not a lot more of these weird musical interstitial like fucking sobby weird parts, but there probably are. Uh, otherwise whatever yeah yeah oh and also uh to uh, since i brought up bat pussy uh to another uh when i was talking to christy whiskey she said that uh just us describing it uh almost made her vomit and she almost had to fast forward through <laughs> us just talking about like the the like unsucked dick and or unhard suck dick taffy pulling shit so um, i think that means like we did a, that's a good job dude yeah, we, we really we really could write the novelization then. You know? I, <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. And then we got to get the rights for the Lemon Party novelization. I really feel like we could do it. No. Didn't yeah. Joanne look that up? Is that what you said? Joanna? No, she yeah. looked up, she looked up uh, Two Girls, One Cup. And I, oh, and I, I, told, yeah. I was like, I, Joanna, I told you not to. I told everyone on the show not to. I was like, don't listen to John Wayne when he tells you to look up something on the internet. Don't do that. Just don't. Just don't look. Just don't look. Well, actually, speaking of that, it's uh, funny you mention it because it's now it's, it's time for the Corey Hotline, dude. Corey Hotline. Oh, baby. The Corey Hotline. Yeah. Corey Hotline. Corey Hotline, everybody. <laughs> um, so as you know, we have a, a hotline that's uh, dedicated to the Corys and their existence. And the number that you can call is 832-930-1347. That's 832-930-1347, and you can leave us a message, ask us a question, talk to us about something important, uh, you know, or uh, a request bail money, whatever you'd like. <laughs> ask it's a 20, question. Ask us 20, a question. 24-7, 365, even on St. Patrick's Day, we're open all the whole time, mm. uh, St. Swizzens Day. All of it. So, <laughs> already. I, yeah. So all of those were open. So I just want to let you know you you can call when you have the urge from the other source. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's check out we our first uh, call here, Chris. What do you think about that? Let's listen. All right. Ring a ding ding. 
the fucking four button is broken on my phone, but whatever. Okay, so question. In the 80s, and you guys are super nostalgic and old, we were obsessed with um, little people like dolls, Chucky, Leprechaun, Critters. Mm. In the Battle Royale Showcase Showdown, who goes away? Who lives? Who lives, who lives in, in, in the big battle of the little creatures from like the 80s? Talk, discuss, drink, smoke, think it over. Tangy again. Well, thank. <laughs> thank you, Tangy. Thank, thanks, Tangy. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, little creatures. Yeah, that that was a thing in the eighties. We could do a whole show on that, dude. Just like the the phenomenon of like the little monsters of the eighties with critters and gremlins and puppet master, demonic toys, ghoulies. Yeah. Uh, munchies, hobgoblins. I mean, they just this is just off the top of my head. There's more and the rest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, as far as what she asked, I, I like you know, I, I like critters, uh, in my corner. Well, uh, well, that's a, that's the thing about her question is I'm not sure, like, is she saying which one do we think is the best, which one we like the best, or who would win in a giant in a, battle royale? A giant, <laughs> yeah. I, I think she, yeah. th- I think it was who do we like in a giant battle royale to win okay. like like, like i like the patriots up... to go all the way this okay. year you yeah, know yeah, like yeah. i like, like the critters yeah i'm gonna take the line a hard line on the critters dude they're really hard to stop they yeah, eat everything they are very hard to stop like yeah they 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 kind of infest planets that they come to um yeah i don't know it's it's kind of like you know i think a little bit of, like i think gremlins because they their ability to multiply so quickly uh, but they're so easy to kill. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, critters would eat them alive, dude. Yeah, literally. Well, I mean, but but also like just like their general weakness, like gremlins of just like uh, light, just just fucking light kills them. So it's like, how easy is that for them to get killed? You know? Uh, Open the blinds. I, yeah, right. Like a Dracula. Oh, you fucked up, Nosferatu. Right. <laughs> but that, and that's the other thing is critters is they're like an infestation. There's a ton of them too. Uh, so I guess they kind of outdo ghoulies, even though ghoulies do have uh, satanic magic uh, yeah. behind them. But I, I think I'm with you. I think I think you got that uh, you're right. Oh my God! Ring the goddamn bell! <laughs> you're with me on this one. No, I, I can't think you're right. Fucking bo- Tangy, you are bridging <laughs> gaps in our relationship. You're bringing boats across <laughs> troubled waters. This is like uh, write it down, everybody. No, no. This is a this is a d- banner day at the vital social issues and it's stuff. Out one time, you were right. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's so. I'm going to get you a little, little trophy. You know, I was right. You know, <laughs> I, I have to say like, also those shot, like shouts out to my mom. She actually bought me the box set. of the I critters. thought you were going to say she bought you a trophy. <laughs> she bought me a trophy of the, she, because now already, like I planned this, like she comes out with a cake and shit behind me. Like oh, the, 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 truth is i've had her queued up like every single time just waiting like now nah, mom i'll give you the signal if it happens today you know i flip a switch <laughs> if i'm ever right yes <laughs> all the balloons that i had up in the ceiling they just fall down because they're all just deflated now it's just like <laughs> anyway um she bought me the critters box set uh for our christmas and this like uh if we do when we do an episode on this i'll bring it to to show the camera but this like special edition bat pretty badass critter like uh toy like and it's it's about like like a size of like a a softball maybe 
and it's really like detailed and it's got like but like real hair on it too like the their weird hair uh and it's it's one of my favorite things that i have in my collection out there because i love the critter so much leonardo caprio's first movie yes. everybody i think critter. it was in part four right part four yeah yeah let me uh, knock on your door part and four. uh and uh you know, Easter's around the, right around the corner, and Critters Two is an Easter movie. That's right. Uh, you know, so you can watch that. Uh, you know, if you're interested in checking out Critters, you can you can pretty much just jump in anywhere. Uh, but no, I love the Critters movies as well. I, I have all four of them. Um, but to be scientific about it, put back on our science hat. To be yeah. scientific yeah. about it, to get my bow tie mm-hmm. back on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like like they are. They're so voracious and they're so in, intense when they when they attack. You know, they can form this like giant ball and just oh. roll and just eat everything in That's their path. So awesome too. Um, and they and they spawn. They spawn so uh, rapidly uh, that I think they would overpower. I mean, they would definitely overpower like limited numbers, like Puppet Master or Chucky or Leprechaun. They would have no chance against uh, critters. Um, Dude, that would be such a rad movie now that I'm thinking about it. Like, yeah. Leprechaun steps out and he's like, ha ha, I want you to think you're going to get past me. And like, and all of a sudden the ball just rolls through yeah, and it's, it's like skeleton, like left, you know? Yeah, like... yeah. <laughs> great, great scene in that in Critters, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when that happens. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, because like they're, they're big nemesis. They're like these alien bounty hunters. I mean, that's like, like critters are such a problem that that's what they need like these professionals from outer space to come and take care of them whereas in gremlins fucking billy takes care of them billy it's like his it's his fault that everything bad that happens in that movie is billy's fault like he fucks up constantly in, in gremlins fucking prick no it's just he just he's just stupid like like i love the movie i love the movie i love gremlins excuse me i love it it's it's a way better movie than critters it's it's a great movie um but uh but when you watch it, like as an adult, you're like, Jesus, Billy, how stupid can you be? You're like, you fuck up constantly. Like, he's such a fuck up. It's hysterical. You know, can't but, get out uh, of his own way, dude. And he's yeah. got Phoebe Cates, that hot lady girlfriend for him. And he's just fucking that. He's just, you know, oh, he uh, totally fucks it up. He, asks, time... he finally asks her out. He finally asks her out. And and she's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to. And he's like, do you want to go out? And she goes, oh, I'd love to. He goes, oh, really? Like, like, don't say that, you fucking idiot. Like, oh, really? Really? You want to go out with me? Like, he's all surprised and just like, Jesus Christ, you fucking loser, Billy. I Fuck. said I said the loud part loud and the quiet part louder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, uh, Critters. Uh, but I, uh, Critters is not my favorite little monster movie, though. Uh, but I do love it. You're but a Ghoulies I, guy, right? We talked about this. I'm, I I, yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, Gremlins is the best movie out of all of them. That, and that, that it was so good that it started this whole genre. Like, Gremlins is what started this. Uh, right. But I, I, do love, uh, I do love the first two Ghoulies movies uh, a lot. Uh, and I love that they're just, like, controlled by, like, a satanic warlock. Satan magic, so, yeah. It's just yeah, so like part, yeah. In part two, when, like... Um, the, they go into like the garage at the beginning and it's just like a vat of what is that like acid or something just like un- open yeah. just like yeah. out there just like yeah. and the fucking priest is like to hell with you ah! <laughs> why is there a vat of like boiling acid in the middle of this garage i don't know but i'm fine with it no, um, that, of course it doesn't kill the ghoulies there's not a lot of sense to be made from uh from the the ghoulies concern. and i don't 
conceptually, yeah. but uh, but no, they're they're great movies. They're a lot of fun. Part two is really part one on steroids. Uh, like the, you get the giant ghoulie in the end of that one and everything. Uh, but but yeah, critters would critters would kill them. I mean, there's like four ghoulies. Yeah, yeah, that's so, like, it. Maybe five, then, yeah, yeah, good day. So we're talking uh, numbers here with critters, really. Yeah, numbers, numbers. <laughs> ferocity, you know. And but I, I, I'm not poking holes in the uh, logic of coolies too at all. I'm just saying it's, it's just <laughs> well, it's very. Flawless, it's, so. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a very funny. Uh, I thought I just because I, I did revisit it recently actually, and I was like, that's just fucking awesomely funny that there's just this vat of like. No, yeah. no lid, no nothing. It's just like whatever. Uh, I love well, that's, it. That's what Satanists do, man. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, well, yeah, both of those movies and most of, actually, uh, I think all of the uh, little creatures uh, uh, movies are horror comedies. Anyway, they're all kind of supposed to be funny. You know? Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't think any of them are scary at no, all. No. Hardcore scary. No, 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 not at all. All right, so. Thanks, Tangie. Next caller. Tangie, thank you. You've inspired us yeah. to uh, to press on for another day. We agreed anyway. on something. <laughs> we did. Oh, my God. I can't. All right. Anyway, all right. Here's a uh, next call here. All right. Here we go. Hey, Chris and John Wayne. Um, I have a – I actually got my dad really into – my dad got me into Isaac Asimov when I was a really young kid, and – I love just sci-fi at that point. Um, I found out this author, R.A. Lafferty, um, R. Period A. Period Lafferty, um, and his books just fucking blew my mind. It was it got me into surrealism, horror, and sci-fi at the same time. And his books are so hard to fucking find, um, and even Asimov tried to pioneer him, but um, he didn't get anywhere with it. Um, but um, I want to recommend some R.A. Lafferty books. Uh, 900 Grandmothers is a short story book. Um, he's a great fucking author. And I just was wondering if there's any other authors that are like so pure. Um, that you guys looked up to and kind of, kind of read and kind of look at is just like, why did this person blow up? Because. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, uh, so yeah. So that's Phil shots out, dude. He's, he's talking about Ari Lafferty. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the question is, do do what authors do we uh i guess that are maybe more obscure that got us into kind of like some things that we wondered like why aren't they like huge yeah what, uh, once that something. kind of are hard to find now and everything yeah yeah i i what do you what do you do you want to go first uh sure yeah i because uh, because there are a couple where um and some of them you can find you can find them more now um but 20 years ago when I was trying to hunt down some of these books, I had trouble. Uh, one is an author who I've mentioned before in the show, Ted Lewis, British crime author. Um, and uh, I really got into him when, into him when I was in my early 20s uh, because he has this great style of these characters that are just, you know, like the protagonist 
which is the antagonist, like the protagonist who you don't necessarily root for. It's just there are no heroes in his stories for the most part. Uh, and I really loved that and like was really blown away by the way he was able to do these first person stories from uh, a character who wasn't like the monster, but was just not a good person, you know, but that's mm -hmm. uh so anyway, uh, yeah, he wrote a lot of great books, uh, you know, including uh, Get Carter, which is his most famous, uh, oh, Grievous, yeah, Bodily, yeah. Grievous Bodily Harm, Bolt, Plender, The Rabbit, uh, and of course, a couple other Jack Carter books. Um, but uh, yeah, his stuff was extremely hard to find at the time. At the time, Now, like, now it's a little, you can find some like Bolt and GBH are back in print, but there's some that are still like really impossible to find. I, you know, I have a couple of these books. Um, and like they sell for like hundreds of dollars now. Um, so he's, he, he's an author who did get, uh, respect, uh, you know, as far as the British crime noir goes, uh, but you don't see him read a lot in America. Um, so sometimes those, those can be hard to find. Uh, Hubert Selby Jr. is another one where I had to really hunt down a lot of his stuff. Uh, Selby is best known for Last Exit to Brooklyn and Requiem for a Dream, two excellent novels. Um, and uh, but he had a lot of stuff and I really got into him uh, at a time when he was, uh, you know, like only had stuff with a few like indie presses and everything. When I was trying to find copies of The Willow Tree and The Room and uh, uh, Song of the Silent Snow. Uh, and these are these are both writers who did get respect. Uh, and, you know, Selby was at the head of a of an obscenity trial, you know, way back in the day for uh, for Last Exit to Brooklyn. Uh, which, by the way, I consider the the first extreme horror novel. Not that it's horror, but it's it's so extreme and horrific that I think that's I consider it the first one. Um, so those two authors uh, definitely deserve all the praise they get and much, much more. Uh, but you can find them both now uh, a little easier. How about you, Jake Dubs? Well, I personally think that Critters would also get both of those authors totally just just absolutely destroy them. Yeah, so definitely. I'm definitely. going with Critters again <laughs> on this argument. I'm sorry. I'm trying to say now well, like, you're I not just, wrong, just, man. They're, they're, I they just would keep going Critters for everything. Just so yeah. hoping you'll agree with well, me and be like, yeah, you're well, right. Well, you're well, right. You're right. <laughs> critters. I mean, Critters, Critters, they would they would uh, like they would win mostly because Ted Lewis and Hubert Sully Jr. are dead already. Uh, yeah. But. Even if they were alive, I'll give it to you. Critters would probably probably kill. Thank them. you. Yeah, well, uh, seeing how go. Ted Lewis was a hopeless drunk, and uh, Hubert Selby Jr. Uh, was had all sorts of health problems and uh, became addicted to uh, morphine. Uh, so they weren't they weren't like the most uh, the most ready to to the most ready to brawl and kick right, well, ass of, as far as alien invasions go. Well, we still agree that's two uh, in one episode. So I don't uh, I don't know because I don't. I guess I can collect books like that, or well, I, I, I don't know how anything like as profound like as you had. Like, uh, it seems like you have like a better answer. There's like some of the books that, like, a re like more in a modern day, I fall in love with, like Bentley Little, and it, you know, devoured all of his stuff. But a lot of his books are out of print and hard to find. Mm -hmm. And I would like to find some of those, but. Like, as far as in, like, cracking me into, like, he asked about, like, getting us into kind of surrealistic horror or as well. Was that part of the question? Well, I or... think his main question was, are there certain authors that you just wonder why they weren't bigger than they were and why you can't find their books? You know, so I mean, Little is one of them. Yeah. He's so mysterious. 
You can't. You can find his books, but you can't. The, some of them are so like the consultant. I would really love a hardback cover. Like those, those are just like well, out, he, you know. He, he's he's pretty well known to horror fans. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but uh, what, what I was going to say is that he's very prolific. He's written a shit ton of books. So why you can go to bookstores and easily pick up Bentley Little books, collecting them all would probably would be really difficult because he's written so many, and that's not even that's not even to mention like short stories that only appeared in certain anthologies. He came out with the collection, which is of course you know his short story collection, great fucking book, uh, but he has short stories beyond just those mm-hmm. that you can only get in the anthologies they were in. Yeah, so yeah, like being uh, yeah. a completist for Bentley Little would be different. Oh man, yeah. Go back and see our collecting episode for more yeah. information on completists. But yeah, that I, would be I have uh, nuts, I have dude. I have that uh, Freddy Krueger book uh where he wrote a Freddy Krueger story. I have that one. Oh, uh, you bitch. Yeah, you probably won't find that in any other book of his except except that anthology, you know, of, of yeah, Freddy stories. You probably won't find it in your bookshelf anymore because when I was there, <laughs> right. do, 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 I just hold it up. Like, what the? <laughs> now, I don't I don't know. I guess like I guess some of the bizarro authors when I first started uh, you know, I mean, Jeremy Robert Johnson is blowing up, though. I mean, I think he's getting up there. So it's not like a, like he's one of the yeah. people that well, a writer, I up a, to. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, well, a writer like that, like you said, he's like rising up. He's blowing up. Like a writers like that, um, there's they still have, you know, all this opportunity to continue to do more. Whereas like writers like uh, the ones like Phil was talking about, like like I'm talking about, they're they're dead and gone. And it's like. If people don't continue to put those books out and people don't continue to cheer for them, like they can't do it themselves anymore, you know, like it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of like this right. thing, like we need to remember these guys and their books. You know, we keep keep their books alive because, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying? Because they say they'll really uh, you really die the last time anybody says your name. That's it. Yep, that's true. So, yeah, I know I get it. Um so that's that's the Corey hotline, I think. That's the Did Corey. You have anything else to add to that? Uh, mm, nope. All right. <laughs> well, you can give us a call anytime eight three two nine three zero one three four seven at the Corey hotline, mm-hmm. as you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So I think we're ready to move on. If you are, yeah, ready, ready, baby. Uh, so then we might as well just get into our topic, and this is going to be a divisive topic, folks. This is a hard one. This is a and hard one. What, not what she said. And, yep, yep. This is going to be going to be not going to be as easy as the critters question. Um, Although so what, I might, well, have to <laughs> you might that. just go with that. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. So that brings us to our topic, which is one, two, three, four. Boy bands. Oh, nah. Bo- quit playing games oh. with my heart, dude. Boy bands. Because I think you're disrespecting me on this on all fronts. No, 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 no. It's uh, just we did this. We did two shows on yeah. on death metal, and yeah. you know that's great and all, but we both know way more about boy bands than we do death metal. I mean, yeah, just of course, question. Of course. So yeah. you you've seen my collection. Well, I've seen all the tattoos in those places where not everyone gets to see. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, you got to take the pantaloons off to see. Yeah, you got to go to my Patreon for those. Yeah, you, you Patreon. do. Patreon.com slash John uh, Winston. Yeah, but uh, but we were talking a little bit about this, and I think we need to 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 
talk about it more in depth. Talk about it more in depth. Show. Spit out your argument because I want to get okay. into this. Because we, we were right? like, I, I want to get into got, it. Okay, we need to just gloves off. We need to just get into this. You know, because you were talking bullshit. Cause you have a no, because you have a very uh, <laughs> you have a very hard stance on this. So no, go with it. Because you were talking bullshit. That's no, why no. I'm just tell me, on. tell me. Right. Lead with this. Okay, there there have been many, many great boy bands over the years. You've got. Sure. Uh, you know, you've got your, your your backstreet boys, which you think are so cool, and you've got your 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 one. You got like your singular boy bands, like your Justin Bieber types, where it's just the one guy and everything, and that's all fine and good. But you know, there's really there's just one boy band, and the rest are just imitators. And that is the New Kids on the fucking block. They are the greatest boy band of all time. Period. You can't get better. I, Jonathan, Jordan, Joey, Donnie, and Danny. You can't do it, man. You can't do it. Uh, okay. And I also like, so then you didn't, you also said you, you, you consider them the first boy band too. You're like, this is it. This is definitive first yes. fucking boy band shit. Yes. Dude, no, no, first boy band was really the Beatles. If we're going to go really hardcore. I and then the monkeys, you're going to pull that, that kind shit. of shit like that, dude. You're going to pull that shit. But, but if I we're, I'm gonna, if I'm to... gonna jump around in time with you, dude, in sync. I mean, give me a break. Uh, yeah, you're talking yeah, about the best, that. dude. Uh, Jordan, Joey, Thomas, Joe, G Joe, and the rest, dude. Like, uh, look, look. Let's let's go down the list. One of them is a is now just a brother to a famous person, married to Jenny McCarthy. Doesn't believe in modern medicine. Uh, so there you go. Uh, they're anti-vaxxers. And and you we're know, I have, I have two. Stuff, I have two. We're not talking about that. Words. We're talking about I have the two, quality of the music. I have, I have two letters that I can say to you right now that's mm -hmm. just a mic dropping. JT. Mm. I don't even know what Justin that is. Justin Timberlake. Oh, Justin Timberlake. What what what, what band was get... he in though? What band was he in? Okay. All right. Yeah, see, forget see, it. Well, no one remembers. In sync. Hey, everybody no knows. One, they no had a doll line. No they had a doll line, dude. Everyone collected them. Of course they did. Well, they had so the, the new, kids, the new on the kids on the block. So, okay. Well, here's what I'm saying. I knew you were going to pull that Beatles monkey shit. And yeah, you to, knew an, I was to an pull extent, my monkey shit. that's what you always do. I, but to an extent, yeah, I, I get it. Like that was kind of like the whole, you know, there's a, there's a group of boys and they're cute and the girls like them. Sure. But we're talking about boy bands, like what they are and what they represent. And the Beatles went off and did and the, became the Beatles. The monkeys was a TV show. The new kids on the block. A TV show, man. The new kids on the block, boom. That's what NKOTB. That also. was their gang sign. I think was this thing that I'm doing. Um, Stop doing. That. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, no, they they were they were the they were the originals, man. They were hanging tough in '88, man. They okay. had like think of all the hits. Please don't go, girl. The right stuff tonight. Didn't I blow your mind? Uh, and of course, this one is for the children, uh, which they did for their wonderful. Um, Christmas album. Uh, I don't remember New Kids or I'm um, in sync doing anything like that. Because oh, you don't. No, you no. don't remember that. No, NSYNC has like four Christmas albums, dude. But did they give J the money? Justin Tim, dude, they have backed trucks up to charities and dumped money out of them into starving children's mouths, just rolls of quarters to okay, feed them okay. right into their well, fucking you know what faces. You know what I bet they didn't do? They didn't open for Tiffany. Oh, I and, and you know what you know what uh, they did. The new kids on the block didn't do. Uh, 
cause a natural national controversy by ripping Janet Jackson's boob out in the middle of the Super Bowl. Exactly. They got more class than that. Oh, do they? And they it didn't get art, you know dude. what? You know what else they didn't do? It was they, artistic. Your, your precious JT did. JT goes out there and uh, you know, he he goes on the fucking podcast back in the day. It's like, oh yeah, I totally took Britney's virginity. You know, that's that's intrusive, man. You know, that's not the I kind mean, of thing a gentleman would do, would go on and brag about taking Britney's virginity. Free Britney hashtag. I okay, but here's the <laughs> thing. Uh, that was he was young, dumb, and full of cum at that time. There's mm. pictures of him in a in a in a tuxedo made of denim with uh, a, a, another uh, young lady in a denim dress, a ball gown. Yeah. It's weird. But uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, the awesome Donnie Wahlberg was in oh, Saw the two. Awesome. Okay, was in Saw yeah. two, baby. Saw two. He was also in the Sixth Sense. He was uh, in the sixth sense, wasn't which he? is the first thing yeah. that I was like, "Oh shit, dude, that's Donnie Wahlberg in a movie." I was like, "Oh, he's not <laughs> hanging tough anymore. <laughs> it looks like he's hanging rough." Uh, you know, because he lied, he was like all super skinny for that movie and shit. Yeah, like, he looked pretty yeah. bad. But yeah. he was the cool one. But you know what? He's not as cool as JT, he was, dude. He was the tough one. He was the <laughs> tough. Yeah, he was the tough one. Oh, can can I can we say something to the audience though? I I guess go ahead and say it. April Fools! Ah, we got what? you, didn't you? We got you, we got you, didn't we? This didn't. What we? are you talking about? Is this an this is an April Fools joke? Yes, yes. We're not really going to talk about boy bands. I, I you know I recommended it as a joke to 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 just throw off our listeners. I, why do I? But ever it turned take out. Notes? Why do I ever take notes? out? Like when I like. John Wayne really, really does like boy bands and knows a lot about them. Uh, I I actually had to take notes just to name a couple of New Kids songs. I had to take notes and I had to write their names down. <laughs> yeah, if you're watching the video, you're definitely like re- I'm clearly such great kidding. classic hits as "Hanging Tough" uh, and the rest. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know this shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, oh, I also wrote down that they're from uh, they're from Massachusetts, so they're they're New England boys. Uh, so, yeah, that was another reason I was going to quote unquote like them. Uh, well, and also, Mark Wahlberg is Marky Mark's brother. You know, Donnie no, d- yeah, Donnie Wahlberg is Marky Mark's, Marky Mark's brother. Yeah, and that is Boston. You know, that's Massachusetts. Mm. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Yeah, Austin, Massachusetts. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, hilarious. We're funny. Um, yeah. All right, so I guess that was an you April ru- Fool's joke, you and we all fooled you. You ruined it, man. You're supposed to say April Fool's with me. I know, but I wanted to make it a second joke. You yeah. know, we're like, you remember when like Al wakes up and he's like, feet, feet, and like Peg's like, mm-hmm. wake up, honey. You know, it's like he's like, oh, huh, Peg, you never. And then he she whips off the thing and she has the big feet. I was trying to like do one of those things. Yeah, she is a foot. Yeah. Show. Yeah. At the end of the show. Yeah. It even it goes even further. Yeah. Well, that's because it's a rule of threes. Uh-huh. All right, so uh, we're not we're not really going to talk about uh, boy bands, um, unless you want to talk about the po- party posse because they rule the earth. They're the greatest band since music's birth. Um, yeah, but we're, but that's a ta- that's a talk for another time. It is. It is time talk. We'll call it. All right, so uh, I think that we need to get to our real topic then. Yes. So are we okay. ready? Oh, are we playing the music again for the real topic? Well, yeah. All right. Fun. All right, that brings us to our real topic, which is... One, two, three, four! Boy 
play uh, God damn it. <laughs> Hubert Peterman Lovecraft. <laughs> no, it's just wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, no. Lovecraft. Yes, right? yes, but it's not Hubert Peterman. It's Howard Phillips. <clears throat> but uh, right, allegedly. Yeah. That's kind of like the fake Stephen King, like you know, like the guy who writes under that name and just to try to like catch Spells it with a V or something. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, exactly. That fucking scumbag. Yeah, that, like that's that's a Hubert Poppycock Lovecraft or whatever. I know. I was just saying. fucking around. I know. No, I know. I know. But like no, but we were going to talk about really, but that's not really well known. Uh, you know, some people like are like, oh yeah, H.P. Lovecraft. What's the H.P. stand for? Happy bu- uh, birthday, Peterman. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> So I I don't know yeah anyway all right uh, you ruined my joke now man I okay. guess I know how it feels you're right good good um so uh yeah that, I guess some people think that HP stands for human papilloma or something but um that's a whole hey, other hey you should definitely get your child the vaccine when they turn twelve yeah you should uh so anyway uh we yeah, we're gonna talk about uh, Lovecraft uh and you know we're gonna talk about him, his work, and a little bit about uh, some of the films uh, that uh, are recent and uh, not so recent, uh, and just kind of get into all of that fun and jazz. A lot of, yeah, I mean, I don't, and this is a, such a, a lot of information to cover on this kind of A crazy amount, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a crazy amount. I mean, first of all, we're dealing with a very, with a historic figure, you know, um, this controversial figure, who, prolific figure, like all of this yeah, shit. Yeah. Con- controversial figure, yeah, but um, mainly, like th- this is this is a very historic figure. For those who don't know, uh, I mean, the guy's been dead almost a hundred years. So yeah, it's uh, this is a horror writer uh, who goes way way back uh, and has a, a, had a huge influence on science fiction and horror fiction, and. Um, yeah, so we were just going to talk a little bit about him. Uh, he, of course, is mostly known for his short stories uh, and creating the uh, Cthulhu mythos, um, which the and, old uh, ones, the astral, mm-hmm. you know, which monsters. like which became uh, a, a whole genre in and of itself. Where now we have Lovecraftian fiction, and you know the characters are in the public domain. So now you see Cthulhu and Yog Sagoth and like all the other ones whose names you can't pronounce wrong because they technically weren't even supposed to be pronounced by human vocal cords. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I, if you're like if you're sitting at home going, "Well, you said Yog Sagoth wrong, wrong." No, you can't say it wrong because you can't yeah. say it right. It's impossible. Um, uh, I'll handle this but, one, Chris. Why would a man? With the, <laughs> the shirt that says "Genius at Work," <laughs> watching a children's cartoon. But uh, but no, the Cthulhu mythos have uh, branched off and you know into uh, different films and books and video games and all sorts of stuff. Um, so it's been extremely it, pervasive in pop, like more so than you would probably realize unless you're uh, 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 knowledgeable of him. Right. I think. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, I guess. Well, I guess I'll start by by asking you, um, are you a, would you consider yourself a, a Lovecraft fan or just kind of like a mild fan or are you just not really into him? Uh, I'm, I'm not a super fan. Uh, I do have like Cthulhu tattooed on my stomach, um, but. I would say that makes you a fan then, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But of, of that, I guess, like um, the idea of, uh, 
gods that are like just so uh make us seem so insignificant mm-hmm. like and cthulhu is one of those pre- like you know that feeling that you get if you like stand too close to like a, a banister of like a high building and you look over do you ever get like a your stomach drop you're like oh shit like yeah, sure. never happen so sometimes when i'm like on the computer here and i'm like looking at like paintings of cthulhu he's so imposingly huge that i'll look at that and start thinking and it'll give me that feeling for a second like what if that just stepped out mm-hmm. into the it, i don't know that that yeah. always captured my imagination and like you said like you know, he barely wrote about these characters. And then these several other authors around him, like, took that boom. They they kind of invent this universe. And then meanwhile, well, everyone everyone's playing in it. Well, um, uh, yes and no. I mean, no, me, he invented no, Cthulhu. He, he brought well, that up. But well, no, but, he rented he rent he invented all of the Elder Gods. Cthulhu right. is just the one that's the most, you know, that's the most popular, and well known. And Cthulhu has become like this kind of a pop culture phenomenon where now like you, you like you go to hot topic and you get like cthulhu slippers and shit uh but no he, he created a vast universe of these um of these elder gods uh which are these creatures uh like in space uh that are kind of you know uh, referenced in in multiple multiple stories of his um, so it is a shared universe that Lovecraft created on his own. It wasn't just something that was, it was something that was built upon and branched out by other authors later, but even, and even in his own time, some of his other writer friends uh, kind of incorporated some of his stuff, including the Necronomicon and like other stuff that, that Lovecraft, you know, created went on yeah. to be in different stuff, you know, by, uh, you know, some of his contemporaries. Because uh, he was a, a big letter writer, and he wrote a lot to Robert Block and Henry Cutner and Robert E. Howard, and like these guys, kind of like you know, converge together when it comes to that. But uh, but you know, the, I, what I was going to say is that these these elder gods are are dominate his stuff. It's not just um, like Cthulhu appears once, you know. Uh, so you know, he wrote about them often. He wrote about you know, very very detailed, you know. Um, but really, the the thing with his his work is like it's not like you get kind of like what you were saying, like Cthulhu steps out of the the shadows. It's not like you get these monsters like stomping around like King Kong style. Really, it's more like that there are these ancient gods, uh, ancient gods that could be awakened. And most of the stories are actually about like people researching them or people worshiping them, you know, and stuff like that. Um, they, they like reach through planes of existence. They they're mm-hmm. so they're so huge, or we can only perceive them in that way. And like, it, yeah. if you let your mind like really go to it, like it really is so vast and scary. And like that's what makes it interesting to me. I think. Yeah. Well, one of, well, some of the themes that Lovecraft always had in all of his stories, uh, because here's the thing with Lovecraft is I'm I'm a Lovecraft fan. Uh, I'm a fan of the uh, imagination. Of his stories and how he, all of that he contributed to the horror genre, uh, but at the same time, I'm not so much a fan of his actual prose. Um, sometimes I think he can turn a good phrase and and be kind of poetic in a way, uh, but the way he constructed a story is very dense. Um, most of the time, it's uh, it, you know you're getting this these huge blocks of text. He doesn't really write dialogue. You very rarely get any dialogue at all. He doesn't do good characters. The characters are not well-developed. Uh, they're almost always 
uh, you know, they're always these, you know, white male um, illiterates uh, you know, uh, and everything. These people like from universities usually sitting down at a desk telling you this awful thing happened. Oh, my God. Like, mm. wait till I tell you what happened. You know, that's usually how it always goes. So there's a lot of repetition in uh, in his stuff. But what I like about him is I like the the intense imagination that he had to write these stories in the 1920s about these, you know, uh, uh, about the, the things that he wrote about, which weren't just like, and then there was a vampire and then there was a ghost. He created this whole um, universe out of his own atheistic ideas, you know? Um, yeah. But- and I, I also agree with like his prose aren't like uh shockingly excellent but he also is so prolific he he died when he was 46 years old and wrote mm-hmm. so many fucking stories he did so well, well he no, no, sorry go ahead no go ahead that's it no i was gonna say he did he did write a lot but um he mostly it was just short stories that he wrote that he sold to uh weird tales primarily um because he only had three works that weren't short stories. And even those were only like novella, maybe, maybe with uh, the case of Charles Dexter Ward, you could get to, you could, I guess that kind of counts as a novel as far as length goes, length goes, but at the mountains of madness and the dream quest of unknown Kadath are the only, th- those three are the only ones that are longer than a short story, you know, but he did have, tons of to these short stories and he was a prolific writer when it came to uh, letters i was mentioning you know he was often writing with robert block and other people it was estimated that he let me check my notes i wrote down a note in this it's estimated that he wrote over a hundred thousand letters and only voltaire wrote, all, yeah only voltaire wrote more than that um one hundred thousand letters letters yeah he was a See, big and that's writer. another thing like like that uh, when I first even started like researching him years ago and I, and I was like so blown away by, I was like, he's 46 years old Mm -hmm. and he died and look at all of this stuff Mm -hmm. just that he has, like you can get like 1100 collections of fucking Mm -hmm. stories and that are by him, but a hundred thousand letters. That's Mm -hmm. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Did he he, sleep? well, he was a weird guy. I mean, yeah, we could talk a little bit about that. Let's uh, we could talk about him, and then we could talk about his work. Uh, he was he was a strange guy. Uh, he he did sleep, but he was um, he rarely went out during the day. Uh, he really he really had very bad social anxiety and was a recluse. Um, and he lived at home with his mother. You know, like like basically like this Norman Bates type. He was this creepy pale guy. Uh, and uh sorry go ahead no i thought you were gonna say something no Um, i was was laughing about the norman bates thing because that's exactly what i pictured and you said it yeah uh but yeah he uh he you know lived at home with his mother uh and never finished high school because he had such so many problems with social anxiety and um and just basically had a nervous breakdown as a teen and just kind of like lived a hermit's life you know um so so yeah i mean he he i think all of his socializing was through letters uh because he just didn't didn't gel well with people in person um and uh i i really think uh that there's there was a lot going on there i mean it's i think you have to take into consideration that 
both his mother and father were both separately committed to uh insane asylum. Both of them oh, were. Shit. Both yeah. of them? Mm-hmm. For the same but, reasons or separate reasons? Uh, well, uh, Win- Winfield Lovecraft was committed uh, after being diagnosed with psychosis. Uh, and Lovecraft was only a little kid then. He was only like three or four years old. Um, but, uh, and, and he died. He died in the hospital, you know, like a few years later. Um, and his mom, uh, uh, Sarah Lovecraft, was uh, committed to the same institution uh, years later. Uh, and she stayed in there until she died. Um, so, yeah. 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 So there, there was a history of mental illness in his family. Um, and many people speculate that Lovecraft, you know, had mental illness. And a lot of people think that this led him to have such these bizarre creations that he came up with for his stories uh, yeah. and his unique uh, his unique visions of monsters. Uh, and I mean, like, like I mentioned, atheistic views. Uh, he was an atheist. He uh, he wrote uh, a confession of unfaith. Uh, was an essay that he wrote about being an atheist. Uh, and to be open, uh, an open atheist at the time in 1920s, like America in New England. I mean, he was he was very he was very it's much like a weird guy, you know. Tantamount to witch witchery, burn him at the stake type shit. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so he kind of just, he created these, you know, cause his work really rejected, um, anthropocentricism. I think you pronounce it, you know, like other anthropohumanism, uh, you know, like it's basically the concept that we're the center of the universe, human beings, mm-hmm. uh, his, his work just totally rejected that. He thought right. that makes humanity, us very significant. Yeah. That, that was, that was what, that was the real horror of his stuff was that the idea that humanity is an unimportant part of the cosmos mm-hmm. um, and the gods he creates Cthulhu and so forth uh, are indifferent to us. It's not that they hate us or want to kill us. It's just like, we're nothing. We're nothing to them, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and they could wipe us out so easily. And, and the whole fear generally is that if they return, when they return, that's exactly what they'll do. Right. You know? um, but yeah, he and also, that, that's why, like, that's why it's so imposing. Cause you even see those pictures. Like when I get all high and look at them, I'm like, God, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why that's, what's so terrifying. Mm-hmm. That's what a good bunch of mushrooms will do to you too. Yes. Realize, like, <laughs> man, how insignificant, uh i you know it's it's an ego kill and that's like a mind ego kill mm-hmm. when you read this stuff and you're like jesus fucking christ yeah this is so huge like why wouldn't they like if they pass through like the universe yeah fucking knock us down with your you know flick us off with your mm-hmm. little finger or whatever like why not yeah Ogres. but when you read when you read lovecraft the stuff like the the descriptions of the monsters can vary from being very uh, vivid to being uh, a kind of a, like, they are indescribable. He uses that a lot, where he's like, they're just an indescribable horror. Um, but they're often described as very uh, sea-like, you know, like tentacles, fish, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, uh, like Cthulhu is basically has the head of an octopus and the wings of a dragon. And, and you know, and they, he rises out of the sea in the call of Cthulhu, you know. Um, but... Uh, the elder gods aren't the only things, of course. These are just like the big, the quote unquote, through the mythos, as they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, he also, you know, had a lot of stuff that was more similar, that was similar to uh, his idols. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe was one of his big idols, and you can definitely see 
uh, mm-hmm. that influence when you read some early stuff by Lovecraft, or even when you read The Rats in the Walls. Uh, are you familiar with The Rats in the Walls? Um, man, I've read so many. I don't remember all, what was that one about. They do kind. Of, they do kind of blend together. That's that's. Yeah. You know, they really do. Um, uh, it's hard to remember what was in what story because he has such a similar approach yeah. to every story he writes, and they and so many would take place in the same kind of universe. Uh, well, the rats in the walls is very much like a Poe story. Um, you know, it's in that Poe was obsessed with being buried alive, and he had like you know, uh, the black cat, that great story. You know, uh, yeah. where like you're hiding things in the wall and everything, or the Telltale Heart, same thing. Um, well, and in, and and assumed to be me hiding in your walls, th- exactly with, with exactly. a possum. Yes, with a possum. Hey, the possums in the walls instead of the rats in the walls. Um, but no, the, the rats in the walls. You know, it's the guy, uh, the the narrator, because these characters never really even matter by name. <clears throat> They're all pretty much just him. There they are. They're just a narrator. They're just the narrator. You know? Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, I forget the, the character's name. But uh, he, you know, he goes, in, you know, into the the basement of this place, and like, you know, the, the, there's rats in the walls. But like, when it goes through the wall, it's like there's actually like these this whole underground city of these weird like mole people and stuff. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really a great story. The way I described it is terrible. I did a terrible job describing it because it's a, no, it's one I of the better I ha- stories. I have read that one. Yeah, uh... <clears throat> but um. Yeah, uh, what, what, what was I going to say? I feel like I'm all over the place with this. No, we're talking about his, like, uh, his, how you were saying how his short stories blend all together. He, he's written so much shit. Well, he's written uh, a lot. Of, he's written a lot of stuff, but um, I would argue that it's not. Oh, you were this... talking about what's not uh, based in the Cthulhu meat, like the the uh, yeah, elder gods yeah. mythos i guess type yeah of thing. no yes he, he has many uh yeah I, I was saying yeah that's right i was saying that he uh you can see some of the influences of his idols like poe and uh lord Donsei, the guy who wrote the gods of uh pig pagan or, or however, however, however the hell you say it getting tongue twisted and thinking mm-hmm. faster than i talk um uh but yeah uh lovecraft was uh was uh, we were to, I was to go back. I was trying to talk about him as a person and then get more into the stuff. Um, he uh, he had a, a really bad social anxiety and he also you know was reclusive. Everything else. He also had really bad night terrors. Not just like nightmares, but he had these like night terrors, like sleep paralysis, you know, type of nightmares. Um, and Damn. yeah, and he would see. Uh, uh, he eventually called them the night gaunts. Uh, is what he referred to them as, and they appear in a lot of his stories. Uh, these thin, uh, faceless, like shadowy humanoids, mm-hmm. um, and uh, other people have described like that same kind of thing uh, when they sitting had... on their chest, like type of thing, <clears throat> coming well, out of the corner. Yeah, yeah. Wherever they are, like the, the, there's this this thing that's this reoccurring thing with night terrors and sleep paralysis of uh, the of mm-hmm. like these these thin black figures, these these humanoids that are like shadow men. You know. Um, yeah, I'm very interested in that. My I had a buddy in college. That was he's a very talented writer. He actually like he's a poet. Uh, he won like a some one of those like poet laureate awards. Uh, uh, his name is Will, but he had sleep paralysis. I would go over to his like place and hang out with him and he would tell me about it sometimes. And it was, uh, terrifying. Yeah. And I, I was like, Jesus Christ. He's like, yeah, you're, I, I'll just be locked there for hours. And like, sometimes I just get no sleep at all. And I yeah. just take tired all day. And, uh, he said, it's insane. 
Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be horrible. Yeah, yeah, he's like, imagine like being like awake, paralyzed, and terrified by everything that's going around you because nothing's like, oh, yeah, yeah, crazy. So that's yeah, like another bad. reason yeah. why. I mean, he's probably be able to describe if you're trapped in that for like hours. When you finally snap out of it, of course, you'll probably want to describe mm-hmm. it to the, you know, gills. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he wrote about them, uh, the night gaunts, as he called them. Uh, he wrote about them a lot. Uh, yeah, he was a strange dude. Uh, he he also uh, he disliked sex. Um, he didn't like sex at all. He had one wife, Sonia Lovecraft, uh, and he was a virgin when they married. He was uh, thirty four years old. He was the thirty four year old virgin. Um, and apparently, and this is the, like this, the guy like just lived in his mom's house and would just stay up at night reading and writing and loved astronomy. Didn't finish high school cause he had too much anxiety. Uh, you know, he was a total, just like Norman Bates type man. Um, and yeah, before their marriage, uh, before he married Sonia, uh, he reportedly, he reportedly bought numerous books about sex and studied them in order to perform on their wedding night. <laughs> and she later what said what a nerd right a nerd right yeah and she later said that uh that she was the one who had to initiate all sexual activity in their relationship like he never initiated sex and that he was like even just the word sex like made him like you know uh things didn't work out so well between the two of them <laughs> yeah um within a year she moved to cleveland uh well th- that was something i wanted to bring up actually she moved him to new york city now uh, he's very much known as you know a New, Eng- New England author. Um, New England is plays in heavily into all of his works, uh, and he was moved to uh, New York City. Uh, mm-hmm. His wife wanted to move there. It's a long story, but basically they they moved after they married to New York City, uh, and he really really just did not like the experience. As someone who is uh, a recluse, uh, to move into this uh, city in the twenties where things are booming and there's this huge yeah. influx of people. Can't imagine that like anxiety would be uh, yeah, paralyzing, yeah. probably. Uh, and that kind of leads me into wanting to, you know, what we got is what we have to say is that uh, he was uh, Lovecraft was very much a racist, and a lot of this came out of him uh, in his writing when he was living in New York City, because at the time New York was had this huge influx of uh, immigrants were coming in uh, to New York City, and. And this isn't to, you know, uh, uh, excuse his opinions or anything. I'm saying, like, this is when you really start to see this. Because, like, he was so sheltered. Yeah, Yeah. he was so sheltered otherwise, you know. I mean, granted, in 1920s New England, I think just about every white person you would probably meet would have bad things to say about blacks and Jews. Uh, But he went so far as to write these crazy things. Like, if you read the horror of Red Hook or... His poem on the creation of Of. N word, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, where he describes black people as being between man and beast, uh, like a a hybrid between the two. Uh, You know, like this is some extremely racist shit that the guy said. Um, But the more you read his stuff, the more you realize, um, or the more I assume that his. His stuff was more about elitism than race itself. Like he had it in, like it seemed to me in his mind that it wasn't just like, oh, whites are better. He he thought of like a very specific type of white was better, like upper class English, very English. Like it was this hoity-toity kind of like 
uh, classism on top of the racism. You know what I mean? Yeah, and 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 that doesn't excuse his, no. that kind of thing. But he was like, uh, he had this thing of like preserving the races, where he was like, <laughs> he was all like, yes, you know, you know, Spanish people should be the Spanish people, and black people should be black. Yes, that he was, was like, yeah. that was his, that was like yeah, his thing. Segregation, yeah. Uh, and and that's not excusable. Like no, that's where his mind went to. And like you can see how like those I mean this if this is a guy who bought sex books before he got married to his wife, you can see where like the boxes like just kind of fall in this weird lot like yeah, black white yeah. logic that he probably has in his in his mind that is you know he's got some you know, mental illness well, as this, well. It's just like no, he, this is a guy. This is a guy who uh, who could barely be around people at all anyway so it didn't matter if they were different from him he was already f afraid of being around people so yeah if you get add on top of that that someone's different from him yeah he's even he's even worse uh yeah. and he also grew up in lily white new england like new england's white to this day but back then it was super fucking it, white white lily uh, white some would say lily white yeah white lily, lily white white comma lily, lily white yeah um and yeah. so but it, it, some people, uh, and I mean, people are right to say that he was racist because he was. Yeah. Uh, but but some people, like I think, take it a little bit too far, where they say like because uh, he showed uh, support early on in in the in the 30s uh, for Adolf Hitler, uh, like in some letters and stuff. He was like, I think this. He actually said like he thought Hitler had some that he liked him, but he also said that he thought he was kind of crazy, you know, uh, and then. He also uh, Lovecraft went on to marry a Jewish girl, so it's like, you know, uh, at the time in America, at that time, many people did like Hitler, many people did like support his ideas, and then Hitler just it slowly came out what a fucking monster he was, you know. Uh, and again, this isn't to excuse Lovecraft in any way because he is he was racist, but I think that some people take things and they kind of like make it like he was this guy who would go out and burn a cross on your lawn when really he was just this like xenophobic xenophobic weirdo who like just couldn't handle anything that that like he tried to live outside of his hometown and and went to new york city yeah. quick very quickly came home and went back to living when his mother was in the insane asylum and went to live with his aunt the guy couldn't even like hold a regular job he couldn't support himself either his either he was living off an inheritance or his aunt was taking care of him or his wife was taking care of him his wife had a fucking job uh and gave him an allowance cuz he just he couldn't he was too fucked up like that's the dream isn't it no, <laughs> no, it's not. No, the, my my right. point my point in all of this no, is that yeah. yes, he was racist, but he was also crazy. Lovecraft was really fucked up uh, in in the head. He could not be on his own, clearly. No, no, he he couldn't take care of himself. Um, he was he was just too awkward and strange. Um, but uh, but anyway, that that that's all I really wanted to say is that uh, you have to take you have to take into consideration. The fact that he was nuts, you know, right. Um, anyway, and it's a, a hundred years ago. It, yes. So, well, uh, yeah, it was. It was a hundred years. It's like, just a. You have just, to look through that lens, kinda, and yeah, you have to kind of get through that, and yeah. But it doesn't. Right but it still like is like, oh god damn it, dude, why? Like, I wish you wouldn't have done that. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Thing, but, no, he was. Know. He was a racist. He was. He was a racist. You know, but yeah. Uh, 
again, you know, people are always evolving and changing over time. And a hundred years ago in America, this is what this is what white people were like, you know, for the mm. most part, this is what you got. You know, let's not let's not pretend that that Lovecraft was alone in being this being a racist asshole in 1920s New England, because that was pretty much everybody here. Um, but the stuff he wrote was really horrible when he wrote about race. <laughs> oh yeah. So, but anyway, uh, I wanted to I want to get into uh, uh, some of his work and some of this like stuff that he, um, the people that he inspired, the stuff he inspired. So yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the themes uh, in his work. Um, you know, speaking of you know the old ones, uh, you know, like we mentioned Cthulhu and Yog Sagoth, uh, but there are many, many, many of them. Um, Ostalon and Gloom and Amon and Gorloth and and Dagon. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and 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 many others that are, are way harder to pronounce. Um, you know, they they go on and on. There's so many of them, but uh, the themes of his work. Uh, one of the big themes is forbidden knowledge, uh, and that's a big part of the Elder Gods too. Is mm -hmm. uh, stuff that man doesn't know, but man isn't supposed to know about the cosmos. Stuff that's too dark and horrible for us to be able to handle. Uh, and that's what so many of the narrators in these stories end up confronting is this forbidden knowledge. And that's what I was saying. It does. That's why I was joking earlier when I said, like, it doesn't even matter what these guys names are, because this is how the stories go. It starts off with a guy saying, I looked into this thing and holy shit, this thing was really fucked yeah. up. And there yeah. are all these people who worship this thing. And now we're all fucked. The end. And I took a weird carriage there and all the people yeah. were weird. Yeah. And then well, I fucked a fish. No, it, it, and it, it, uh, that was it. <laughs> well, it, it's what well, the the story structure though is it, 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 like that he repeatedly uses is it it starts with the narrator's like basically he's already nuts he's in an insane asylum or he's like breaking down like at the beginning of the story he'll be writing feverishly out at his desk to as the world is is going to explode or you know in a in a sense mm -hmm. uh, so that that's a definitely like a a repetition that that he has um, but. Uh, yeah, so that's one of his themes. Another big theme is uh, the influences on mankind that aren't his own, like that there are outer influences, be it one of these elder gods or be it just space itself, the cosmos itself, a substance from space, something from a parallel world, a, a, another dimension that influences mm -hmm. mankind uh, or controls them or, or inevitably destroys them. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's what I was like talking when I was talking about the like uh the fucking shadow over Innsmouth, Dagon, like they worship that, da like that's how that story is. Like the guy rode into the carriage and fucking had to go into the town with the weird people. And, um, yeah, that's, that's very, one of them. I, I like that story one. a lot. That's a very yeah. fishy one. There's all the, the fish people. Oh, 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 I, I meant it literally. I meant it literally. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to make a pun. That's good. Uh, no, just, don't I, play it down, dude. You're good. Uh, it is a fishy one. They made a movie out of it that sucked that I watched. Uh, but Dagon that is, story, is the... Dagon is the movie. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, but you know, you're right. The, the story is the shadow over Innsmouth. Uh, that's that's the story uh, that they made into Dagon. Although Dagon is a short story by Lovecraft as well. Mm -hmm. um, but because again, like a lot of these stories, they're a shared universe. They all interlink and everything. Um, but that's. That's a, 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 like the rats in the walls. That's another theme um, like, that you get with the shadow of Innsmouth is you get the, uh, this theme that he has a lot where the descendants of a certain bloodline um, 
always have to pay for what their their elders did. You know, like you see that in in uh, the shadow of Rain's mouth, rats on the walls, lurking fear, the alchemist. Uh, you see this over and over again. Uh, the door that came to Sarnath. It's like the same thing where you you have like okay, this guy like was this sorcerer who worshipped you know these evil satanic things, and even though he's dead and gone, his ancestors still have to pay for what he did. Like that evil right. never stops. The curse never ends. Uh, so that was a big uh, recurring theme that he had too. No, and that's and I love uh, that's one of the things I do love is that terror of. Uh, are being able to create an inescapable terror like there is no redemption there's no spell that you cast that heals or fucking saves you from cthulhu or dagon whoever the you know and that's and when you really like let yourself go in your imagination on that it's fucking like god that's what's really scary Mm -hmm. about it i think i mean yeah no no definitely definitely um fate uh, is 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 a big theme uh, like you're saying excuse me um uh, yeah no it's just uh, drinking um okay baby but no no if i was there i'd be behind you patting your back and shit i appreciate that i could use that that my that my little booby blanket that'd be nice i'll have to come visit again soon then yeah you should piece of shit yeah um anyway yeah uh, uh a powerless protagonist, uh, you know, like where you can't escape what's what you what mm-hmm. is is your fate or is your curse or whatever. It's like that's that's a big theme of his, and of course the decline of civilization, uh, which played into his own xenophobia in real life, where he just thought the world was going to hell and that America was falling apart, uh, and he blamed immigrants for that and all this other racist shit, you know. Uh, so you see a lot of that reflected in his in his work. Um, but uh, I wanted to, to, to talk about some of the, the movies that were made out of his work because he was a prolific author and because he uh, uh, has, had, has been so regaled over the years. Uh, you know, he wasn't, I want to say this first, he wasn't very popular in his lifetime at all. He, he didn't make much money off of writing and didn't see, no. he, didn't, uh, he didn't like have his own book come out until he was much older and it was a collection of his books that were already published in, uh, in Weird Tales and such. And it didn't sell very well, and he was really unhappy with it because there was a lot of typos in it. Uh, it wasn't until uh, like after his death, long afterwards, much like I grown Poe, his idol. So it's kind of an irony there that uh, he, he's now regaled as this uh, this this excellent you know author uh, who contributed so much to horror, but in his time was not appreciated really. Yeah, he like he he was never like cool or anything at all, and then became like the coolest yeah. after death. Yeah, which is the ultimate fuck you. Yeah, I I think it's the ultimate fuck you that life could give you where it's like you work your whole life and try to do so good and you just fail and die. And then and then once you're gone, yeah, everyone's like it's like that song, you know, nobody loves you when you're old and gray. Everyone loves you when you're six feet in the ground. Uh, It's like that. Yeah, just like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. That's the that's a huge fear that is real. Well, he plays on it. Because let's let's mention this real fast. Is he uh, he in? Uh, they were saying like how celebrated he is now. He inspired so many people. Um, you know, uh, the, some some of the people you could mention like off the top of my head like really were like either uh, influenced by him uh, stylistically as a writer or as a filmmaker. Wanted to make stuff. Stuart Gordon, of course, uh, is mm. probably the most well known uh, mm. for because he did the most adaptations. 
um, but John Carpenter did as well. Uh, he didn't do a direct uh, a direct H.P. Lovecraft story, but a lot of his work is very Lovecraftian, uh, particularly in the Mouth of Madness, which we'll get to. And that's uh, a, a a term also that is Lovecraftian. That I don't know mm -hmm. if we mentioned even mentioned. I think that's the first time we said it. Yeah, like that's that's maybe, a yeah. That's, that's a, a genuine term yeah. genuine term you could For, say yeah. like what's this like oh well, it's kind of like lovecraftian fiction and like then yeah. you're like oh yeah, I know that yeah it's a certain style of horror mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah uh <clears throat> but no he he he, he, he uh, uh ramsey campbell alan moore thomas lugati uh artist hr geiger um you know there, uh, there's a lot of stuff that uh that he a lot of people he really inspired, including a lot of metal bands, Metallica, Morbid Angel, Cradle of Filth. They all have songs like about the Elder Gods. Uh, uh, and then metal, uh, uh, speaking of metal, uh, the Behind the Wall of Sleep, Black Sabbath. I mean, that's that's mm -hmm. from the Lovecraft, you know. And then, of course, Stephen King's The Mist. If you watch The Mist, it's very Lovecraftian, um, you know, or if, or if you read The Mist, I should say. But if you if you watch the there's a show now, I think, or there's a there's a uh, show of the mist there is yeah that's like that's why i said if you've seen the mist but no if you've read the, the great novella or if you've seen the movie or the show oh. or whatever they have now too uh it's a lovecraftian thing yeah it's very lovecraftian i mean it's it's this portal to another dimension opens and there's all these tentacled monsters that come out of the mist that's super lovecraftian uh, joe lansdale is a drive-in yeah that's hugely yeah. lovecraftian yeah uh yeah. i i would say it is uh in a sense uh, uh but in his way but yeah it does it it's in a sense in the, in the venn diagram in a sense yeah um you're you're in a sense man of, well of loving me and i appreciate that <laughs> thank you <clears throat> you but there's a lot of movies out there where you could watch it and you'd be like like the movie alien is very uh very lovecraftian uh movie like um event horizon is very lovecraftian uh that, we could do a whole episode on Event Horizon, probably. I think we could, we could. But those, those, those two movies, like just to name a couple, are, are very much in the vein of a Lovecraft story, although they're not based on a Lovecraft story. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, and oh, and Ed Lee, Ed Lee did a couple of books that are based in the Lovecraft universe. He has uh, the In Switch Horror and Trolley Number Eighteen and Fifty Two, and he had a couple of different ones that were set in, in the, that world. His usually yeah. have like Lovecraft being like a character in a way, like either. Lovecraft was a real person, uh, and like, like one of them, like a guy, like goes looking for all the places that Lovecraft wrote about, and it turns out they're all real, like you know stuff like that. Oh um, yeah, I've read that story. <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyway, I wanted let's get into the movies because we have one that I, that we need to talk about. Uh, we've talked before about some of these films, of course. We talked a lot about Stuart Gordon. We already did a Stuart Gordon show that was all about him so we've mm -hmm. talked about reanimator and from beyond uh dagon um i don't know if we mentioned dreams in the witch house which was his masters of horror uh film uh you, you remember that show masters of horror on yeah show? yeah yeah i'm trying to remember if i saw that one yeah i know we that, probably brought it up that that one, one was uh, we might have brought it up in, in the show but I, I can't remember if we did or not but anyway uh, that was another one that he did that was of course you know like a short film uh you know there, those were like 45 minutes those movies uh but that was probably the closest to the source material of everything gordon did um was dreams in the witch house not my favorite of gordon's but closest to the source material uh and then you can maybe count castle freak because there are themes in castle freak that are very lovecraftian but it's not based off of a lovecraft story 
um, it was actually based off of a poster, basically. Um, uh, what's his name? Charles Band basically had the title Castle Freak and had a poster, and he had no movie. And Stuart Gordon was like, hey, can I make that? And he was like, yeah, yeah, just as long as you have a freak in a castle, you can do whatever you want. Go with it. Go with it. Is there a source on this reliable? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was like. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so there have been a lot of different Lovecraft movies. We can touch on them. Uh, but I wanted to talk about one in particular because I I told you, I gave it to you as homework for the show. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is the Color Out of Space. The right. new Color Out of Space with Nicolas Cage. Mm -hmm. Well, did you, so what are your thoughts on it? Well, I read this short story a couple of times. And this is what I have to say about, like, that's also, we we talked about, uh, <clears throat> we talked about Lovecraft writing pri primarily short stories mm -hmm. that also have little to zero dialogue in them. Yeah. This, this is one of those type of stories. And it's yeah. really, like, literally maybe, like, three and a half pages or something if you read the story. It's not super, this isn't a very long story. No, that's... Uh, Maybe a little longer than that, but no, it's not. A long yeah, but it's not like a long story. And that's like, yeah. but like you look at these other movies that have been made out of these stories that we talked about and they have to kind of be blown up and like in the imagination of, of the, you know, they because they're so they're so yeah. short. So just you can't yeah. you can't you could never make a movie out of a Lovecraft story if you just did it as it is. Yeah, you could. Like, no, 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 no. Like the Dunwich Horror, like the first it's like broken up into parts. The whole first part, he's basically just describing the land and how creepy the land is and how creepy the buildings are. Nothing happens. There's no characters. There's no dialogue, you know. So, yeah, you have to add in. You have to take the concept and build characters because he doesn't really give you any to work with. Right. So. So yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. I was just really just agreeing with you there. No, that's what I was just saying. So the, this is like a like a you know, there's a lot of li not liberties, but you have to kind of suspend. I, I you know, you you have to plug the holes, I guess. Mm. Um, and I'm not like you know, I'm not a huge Nicolas Cage fan as you are. So like, uh, it's harder for me to get into movies like that he's in lately. The, Even though I want to see that reason. thing. He's no, not the reason I, I like that movie so much. No, I, I know, Maybe. I know, I know. But it helps. Me, it's, but... <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, but but I, I really like the story. I thought this was a cool adaptation for sure. Uh, of course, like you just meant, you mentioned earlier, like the lights are like, you know, I've got my lights set up like fucking color out of space, purple lights or the indescribable color uh, of the light. Um, and that's cool, and I love the visual stuff of it. I mean, what would like you? You are you brought this to me, so what did you? What I love I, I, I really you know. love Color Out of Space. Uh, that I particular story, I love you too. That particular story is one of my favorites of Lovecraft. It, it always has been. Um, I even did something similar to it. I have a short story called Growing Dark in the collection Growing Dark, and it's 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 kind of similarly. Well, it's in, kind of inspired by Color Out of Space in a sense, but what I did is I took it and I made it about um, child abuse. Uh, so it's kind of like it, but it still deals with like this, like this farm and like something weird is happening on the farm. Uh, but it's really uh, kind of tied in to be more metaphoric. Um, so yeah, I, I've always loved this story and they actually made a movie that I saw when I was younger. And I mean, I, I've seen it since then, but um, before I even knew who Lovecraft was, there, there's a, a movie called the curse with Will Wheaton. And this was a movie that's also based off of the color out of space. Yeah, um, I thought and there was a couple movies based off this, aren't there? 
Well, just that? well, the well, the, cur- the curse was the was one that was like you know it says right in there like this is based on the color out of space you know, okay. uh, and you know it's the, it's the thing where the you know basically the story is in this small farm this meteor lands and it's and it just the 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 goo from the meteor creates this kind of uh, madness that infects everybody on the farm and it just like, it drives people insane and there's this bizarre color in the in the cosmos above them and it just kind of poisons the water it kills the animals it makes it just fucks everything up and it's just a creepy creepy crazy story uh and the curse doesn't do a very good job with it uh but i really liked the curse when i first saw it when i was like 11 or 12 i I was like i just thought that whole concept of like the the monster is a meteor it's a fucking meteor and like it's but it just spreads and just like that's so cool to me i just thought that was so neat uh and uh and then, of course, and this is funny, I won't say who because I don't want to embarrass him, but uh, one friend of mine saw the recent, the Nicolas Cage color out of space and was like, yeah, I don't know. It just felt too much like a ripoff of Creepshow <laughs> because in Creepshow, you've got Jody, the lonesome death of Jody Verrill, mm-hmm. uh, where the meteor falls and, you know, the guy, it basically just creates like vegetation. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. It and, grows yeah. all over. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually, that, yeah. that was how they, they actually started the Creepshow series with an adaptation of that story okay well As that but my friend was like yeah oh, just color of space felt too much like i'm like idiot the, the, that with color of space was written decades and decades and decades before uh you know uh, the creep show segment was written by stephen king that story is older than stephen king is by decades yeah uh, that story was kind of like king and- playing with it and making a comical version of it you know um, and you were talking about me. You don't have to uh, shield my identity. No, it wasn't. No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't you. you I, someone I know, else. I know. I know. Another, I'm trying to take. Idiot. I'm trying to fall on the sword for whoever this idiot is. It was another. <laughs> uh, but no, I I really really enjoyed uh, the color out of space. Uh, I I felt like it captured the real feel of a Lovecraft story. The same type of mood of like a literal horror. Uh, that is beyond our understanding from the cosmos. I thought it was the best, um, the best representation of that same type of cosmic horror that you get from Lovecraft's books. I have mm. not seen, like, although I like so many Lovecraft movies, none of them capture that feeling of cosmic horror like his stories do, except the most recent *Color Out of Space*. That one really, really nailed it, as far as I was concerned. And yes, I love Nicolas Cage. Everyone knows that. I'm married to him. He's my boyfriend. But if I wouldn't just say I liked it because it was Nicolas Cage, I like it because of what it is. Because yeah, of I don't think they're saying that. You know. Yeah. No, absolutely. But, but you weren't that into it. No, it was okay. I don't know. I mean, uh, mm. I'm. I, I don't know. I just wasn't like. Uh, maybe I just need to watch it again and be more engaged. Uh, you know, Nicholas engaged. Oh fuck yeah! Huh? <laughs> Hashtag Nicholas engaged. Nicholas I mean, engaged. I was I was drawing while I was watching it, so it was just kind of oh, well, thanks, man. A passive uh, watch, but uh, you're welcome. I know thanks. it was your 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 fucking personal movie that you made, and uh, I sat <laughs> through it. No, no, I just I thought we were gonna you know talk about it, so I'm glad you you know paid so close attention. Hey uh, man, I have so... a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to multitask I sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there are other films. Uh, yeah, we don't. I, like I said, we already talked about From Beyond. We both love that one. Both love Reanimator. Um, you said you didn't like Dagon. Um, 
which is uh, also Stuart Gordon. And oh, I, yeah, I it was kind of just stupid. It was kind of lame. I, I don't know. I, I was like, well, all right. I have I have I have a love hate relate relationship with the movie Dagon because um, I, I like it for what it was trying to tackle, what it was trying to do. But it's a it's a weak movie because like the, the, the actors just aren't very good and the special effects are terrible. Even at the time, the CGI was bad, but now CGI it's is so bad. Now it's horrendously bad. It's very hard to get past how bad it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think Dagon is 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 the worst or, or anything. Um, I, I kind of like what it was trying to do. Uh, the first one, because I looked this up because I was curious, and the first one that was ever made, uh, uh, the first Lovecraft story that was ever made into a film was, was The Haunted Palace in 1963 with Vincent Price. And that's based off of uh, The Strange Case of Charles Dexter Ward, uh, which is, the, I believe, is the longest thing that uh, Lovecraft ever wrote. Um, uh. And, uh, you know, it's about the, it's like we were saying before with like the, the, the sins of the father go down to the son. Like it's about this, warlock and his son and his like son's trying to you know vincent price plays like the creepy warlock and everything uh and so that was the first one and then we had the dunwich horror in the 1970s uh which was kind of a popular movie for its time um yeah and then after that like it was really in the 80s where we really started to see a lot of stuff come out and that was really because of Stuart gordon more than anybody else but we also had the unnameable uh, and we had the curse, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, did you ever see either either one of those? No, I didn't see either one of those. No, uh, yeah. this is my this is my under first discovery of them. The unnameable, they they made a sequel to it. I think they just made the two, but the the unnameable, they might as well call it the unwatchable. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's really it's really not good. Like now some that they really like it. Print. But, <laughs> some people some people really like it uh i i, I always think it's i always thought it was kind of boring it has this what if that was the tagline on the poster dude <laughs> might as well call it unwatchable the unwatchable yeah. yeah because it is like the, when they when they finally give you the demon the demon looks awesome you know it's like practical effects looks really cool um but it takes too long to get to it like the, the majority of it is these prissy college students walking around a supposed haunted house and like nothing really happens, but apparently there was like an uncut version of it that was much gorier that was never seen, you know, whatever. It's still a boring movie. Um, but, uh, and, the, and then the curse, the curse is kind of maybe worth seeing, you know, just out of curiosity. Cause it is, uh, much like, you know, it's the color of space and it's another version of that. Uh, and I always kind of liked it, even though it's it doesn't hold up well. It's not super scary or anything, but it's, I like it better than the unnameable. Um, but there is one other one that is oft forgotten uh, that I feel really needs to be uh, talked about. Have you seen uh, or heard of the Necronomicon film, Book of the Dead, from the nineties? God damn it! I have heard of it. Have yeah. I? Did I watch that one night? I don't know. I don't it's know. Not, I know. I mean, I know that the Necronomicon is 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 H.P. Lovecraft, and you know, it's he invented that, and that's where it came from. But I didn't know there was a movie called the Necronomicon. I guess maybe. Yeah, it's it's called Necronomicon: Book of the Dead, and it's uh, it's got several short films. It's an anthology horror movie, all based off of Lovecraft stories, uh, and some of them are more loosely based on stories than others. Uh, 
but they do three segments in it. Uh, one is based, one is cool air. One is the rats in the walls. Uh, and then one is the whisperer in darkness. Um, and Brian Usna, uh, directs one of the segments and, um, uh, Jeffrey Combs, of course, who played Herbert West reanimator, uh, he mm. stars in the movie. He plays Lovecraft and Lovecraft is searching for the Necronomicon and all this stuff. Um, and then, like, you, you get these different stories told to you. Uh, and Brian Usna, of course, is the fucking man and always brought the crazy gore that we see in movies like Society, uh, Return of the Living Dead 3. Yeah. And, of, and of course, Bride of Reanimator. Uh, all great films. Uh, and his his contribution to this is awesome. The movie itself isn't that great. Uh, but it, like, if you go by the first two segments, you'll you'll just fall asleep and you won't pay attention. Like, even for you, you won't pay attention. That's really not paying attention. Uh, but the last segment that they do of the, the the whisperer is so fucked up and bizarre. It's really just creepy and uncomfortable and gets under your skin. It's really well done, and it's like used news all over that shit. Um, like, I don't even want to say what happens in it because it's just so disturbing and fucked up and i wish like i i want everyone to see it just to see that segment the rest of the movie i feel bad recommending it because you'll you'll watch it for like an hour and be like this sucks but i'm like hang in there man hang in there that last segment is fucking great it's fucking nuts and you and you still you also get jeffrey combs playing lovecraft which is fun in and of itself anyway um but they finally released that but it was like in a, a german release so i had to get like the german dvd uh and it's it's like dubbed in German, but if you go in through the special features, you can get it where the dub is released and it's back in English. But it's really difficult to try to figure out how to do that because all the instructions on the screen are all in German. So I'm like, it took forever to try to fucking get it to work. But I got it to work. <laughs> is that the one where you had to buy a whole other DVD player to to play? Or no, no, no. You already had it. Already, I already had a Region Zero player. Uh, no, that's Phantasm. That's uh, that was a long time ago. Uh, oh, right, that's Region okay. Zero. That was many years ago. I bought a Region Zero player just because I wanted the Phantasm box set, and they had it uh, in the UK, but they didn't have it in the US. So that's why I bought that. Yeah, yeah. This looks uh, awesome though, because like Brian Usna actually plays a part in that frame store, like the thing that uh, bookends the story or whatever, like yeah, with uh, frame, Jeffrey Combs and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I might uh, try to see it. I mean, is, this is probably not streaming anywhere. If you had to buy it, I seriously DVD. doubt it, dude. Yeah, the like the Shiza DVD. <laughs> yeah, it was like a straight to video release. I remember we got it at the video store back when I worked there. I think it was like '97. It came out. No, uh, this is '93, and... dude. '93, really? Uh, no, no, it's '1990 Necronomicon, Book of the Dead. A 1993 French American anthology film features three distinct segments and a wraparound directed by Brian Usna, Christopher. Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe it was made earlier than we got it because I remember when we yeah. got it at the store because I was not working at the video store in '93. This I remember we got the movie in, so maybe it was a distrib a distribution thing because it is like probably so because it, it was like made in 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 France and America and like it's even now it's hard to find the fucking thing. But I remember when yeah. we got it in, I was all like, fuck yeah, you know, it was used and it was Lovecraft. And, you know, there was no internet at the time, or it was very new. I didn't have it. And, like, I didn't even know about this thing at all. Right. And then one day it shows up, and I'm like, what the fuck? Necronomicon, the movie. And, you know, brought that shit home right away, you know. 
But uh, trying to see if it's is streaming anywhere to let people know. Well, I mean, they'll have just look for it, people. If you're interested, just look for look for all of these movies. Mm. You know. Um, but no, one thing I did want to mention though is uh, with the color out of space is uh, you know we were talking before about how Lovecraft was a racist and everything. Well, now we've got uh, more controversy. <clears throat> Richard Stanley, director of Color Out of Space, um, it's recently come out. Uh, one of his uh, his exes, his longtime exes, uh, it came out that he was very physically abusive to her, like very physically abusive, like beat her. Brutal. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No. Um, and apparently there were like former um, from in the past there were uh, uh, you know she called the cops on him a couple of times and stuff. So there's records of this. As, far, as of the date uh, that I'm saying this, like I don't think he's uh, Stanley has made any kind of statement at all about it. Uh, but mm. it really looks like you know that this is what he did. And uh, Spectrovision, which it's the production company that made. Colorado Space and makes a lot of great horror stuff, I might add. Uh, they've dropped Stanley. Uh, and this is, I understand, like they should. If, like, if this is what he fucking did, fuck that guy, you know? Uh, I still love the movie, but, you know, like a movie is made by a hundred people. It's not just a director who makes it. Like it's the actors, it's the, it's the writers, it's the cinematographers, like a lot of people. Make it. Inspector Vision so, said it very well. They were like, "We're still proud of that movie, but we're just not going to do any more work with Richard Stanley." Do, do you um, think that st- streaming services are going to drop that movie going forward? Do you think, like, I, I don't know. I don't no, know. No, I hope not. I, I hope not. I don't know. Saying, I hope. Just... I hope not too. I don't think. I, I like, <clears throat> like, 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 like I was saying, it's a, it's a, it's one guy from the, the movie like mm-hmm. did a horrible thing, and they shouldn't work with him anymore. But it's still it's a good movie. Um, very good. Uh, but the, the, what sucks about it is uh, I I do think that, that that's a good movie. I do like Richard Stanley's uh, other films, um, you know, that he did years ago. I was excited that this was his big comeback movie, that he was, you know, uh, and turns out he's a shitbag. He's a shitty person. Um, yeah. But they were going to do three Lovecraft movies with him. What were the other ones? Was. Well, they didn't say what the third one was going to be, but the next one was going to be the Dunwich Horror. Oh. Um so what I'm hoping, if by some miracle someone in Spectre Vision hears this, fine, don't use Richard Stanley, but still make these Lovecraft movies. Mm. You know, take the take the other people that were that worked on the movie too, because they did an excellent job. And you know, make a Dunwich Horror, make make you know, still make them. Just find another director. You know, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's tons of directors that would could do something like that cool yeah it's a shame yeah. though because i really really love color out of space so if if those of you out there listening haven't seen it or those of you who are, aren't very familiar with lovecraft uh i would say just jump right into the color out of space because it's an excellent excellent film it was my favorite horror movie of uh 2020 the of the last year yeah oh wow so, what's it was it 20 like i got these years i can't even i can't even fucking remember it blends it, together it was, no, whatever year I mean, it was, <laughs> but it was no. my favorite. Whatever year it was, <laughs> my, it was my favorite Nicolas Cage movie of the year. <laughs> of the year, twenty nineteen. It's official release. Okay, so it was twenty. It was twenty nineteen then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was. It's my favorite horror movie of recent years. Is that movie? I really love it. Um, but uh, yeah. Did you want to say anything else about the movie other than you were like, hey, it was okay. I barely paid attention. 
Yeah, no, I don't. Um, you know, I really love From Beyond, and uh, I think you should read the short stories. Some of them, some of them are awful and uh, too dense. Uh, but H.P. Lovecraft is what he, he's just, I don't know. He, you can't ignore his influence. Uh, you can't ignore how shitty he was. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Uh, yeah. Um, well, for the record, N-K-O-T-B is better than T.J. Okay, well, it's J.T. Uh, and TJ Hooker, TJ Hooker was a, a you know you're talking well, about that as a show. There's only one TJ and he's better than everybody and that's Tom Jones. All right. <laughs> and TA Tom Atkins. So that's that's not a TJ though. It's, but he's pretty cool too. Well, JT is. Well. Yeah, well, okay, just... uh, okay. You're just you're just talking stoner gibberish now, so. I think that's you brought a it up, dude. <laughs> I think that's a show. I think that's we're done. Um, of course, there's plenty more that we can get into with Lovecraft, uh, but um, you know, we don't want to go on on forever. Uh, I do recommend if you're if you are a horror writer, you should at least read some of his stuff uh, to get an idea of like horror history. Um, but I I'm I've not read all of his stuff, and not because there's that much of it. It's because you can only get through so much of it because it's very repetitive uh, and the writing is very dense. Um, so I understand why some people out there are just like, oh man, I just can't get into him. I appreciate what he did, but I can't get into him. I hear you. I do. Yeah. Um, I really prefer his stuff in short stories uh, rather than the, the few longer works that he did. Like at the mountains of madness, I wanted, I wanted to like it so much and God damn, it was one of the most grueling reads I've ever experienced in my life. And it's only a novella. But it's just brutal. It's brutal, like having to go through that dense writing of his. Um, He's got a hundred thousand collections available. It seems like so. It's just. But they're all the same stories, though. They're all the same stories. They're like all like he, he he wrote a lot, but he he didn't have like thousands and thousands of stories. Like you see all these collections out there, and they're almost always the same. You know, sixty to a hundred stories. You can get the complete works of Lovecraft in one volume. In one big, big fat book, you know, like a phone book, or no, it's not like that. You you went like this, like I picture no, it, like it, the no, Bible it, that the priest has. It's, like no, it, it's it's not that big. Like mm. I, he didn't, he Thank wasn't you. as pro prolific as you might think. He didn't, he didn't write like a, 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 an enormous amount of uh, of stuff out there. Like I have a friend of mine who read everything by him, everything, and you know, it didn't take him years. He just got this huge collection and just read it, you know. Okay. Uh, but uh, lots of but, but don't read his don't read his don't read his fucking poetry, Joe. Jesus Christ! It's just like you're being punched in the face with a thesaurus the entire time. That's all it is. It's terrible. His poetry, his short stories. I think where he excelled. I don't think he had it in him to write novels. Really, um, I think his short stories were best for the way he wrote. Uh, it's really, but the, what I really appreciate is the imagination, the, the, what he captured, uh, rather than the way he told it. You know, so. Anyway, I think punch, that, punch in the face by a thesaurus should be a cannibal corpse song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would probably be a Morbid Angel song because they're the ones who did all this Cthulhu and, uh, and uh, you know, even the guy's name, uh, uh, Azagoth. Oh, yeah. He changed you know? his name to like uh, something. That's, yeah, that's, that's an right. elder god. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the gods. That's right. That's yeah, right. So there you go. <laughs> you know? uh, all right. So it's a Morbid Angel song then. Dude, that's one of my favorite songs. There, it's uh, the the ancient ones. Uh, that's you know all about 
you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. that's like that song is so badass, dude. Blessed are the sick, one of the greatest death metal albums of all time. And on that, I think we're done. Okay, I think we're done, everybody. Thank you. Uh, thank you, John Wayne. Thank you, Donnie Wahlberg. We love you. We miss you. We want you to come home. Please come home and get a vaccine for 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 Mama. Please.